Folks, we're in December 1995. Merry Christmas, Oracle. Happy holidays and all that good stuff. Uh, the Monday Night War is well underway. Extreme Championship Wrestling is in for a major, major month. We've got a lot to talk about. Oracle, how are you on this, this wonderful Thursday evening, my friend? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? Whenever we do the grand, for some reason, this is the second week in a row this has happened. Whenever, whenever we do this on the grand, yeah, I always remember to unmute myself. Mm. Yeah, but for some reason, on on the free streams where the whole world can see me, I, 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 my, my brain decides that it's not going to unmute myself. And I'm sure it's very funny every time. It's um, every time I'm like. Am I, am I losing my mind? He's mouse moving. I can't hear anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure he's fine. How are you? Anyway, anyway? I'm well, great. Good, good, good. We have a lot to talk about, don't we? This is an exciting one. There's definitely, I can, you know, give a little tease here, folks. What's ahead? There's a shift of momentum in some ways. In some ways, there's a continuation of, of some other trends we've seen. We have a lot to talk about. So we will do this very quickly, Oracle, in terms of the recap of last month and just you know a very brief kind of look back mm -hmm. the tv results were split but man wcw and wbf's produced some hilarious pay-per-views didn't they it was a, it was a quite the month of november you know again we have a lot to talk about so briefly kind of set the stage as we always do here for for december heading into december oracle go ahead so <clears throat> we've got starcade for wcw mm -hmm. we've got seasons beatings in your house five for the world wrestling federation and we've got um december to december to dismember uh an arena show that was just only shown in excerpts on the network yeah. uh tv so we so, so we'll have some of that and uh but the big deal there for ecw in the month of december of 95 is that on the 29th friday the 29th of december they make their way to queens new york their first show in new york city ever at the Lost Battalion Hall, which becomes a very famous ECW mm -hmm. venue for years to come after this. Um, uh, in, in an event called Holiday Hell. Um, so those those are those are the three sort of <clears throat> main focal points of the shows. As far as stories and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, the big things we want to keep in mind for ECW, uh, Taz is Taz has turned heel and uh, has has aligned himself with uh Pennsylvania Athletic Commission referee Bill Alfonso. You have to say that entire thing every time because um, it's way better that way. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> we are reaching the culmination of the three-way world title feud between Mike Whipwreck, uh, superstar Steve Austin, and the Sandman, uh, WCW, is in the midst of a deep uh, battle with New Japan Pro Wrestling that mm -hmm. is uh, highly touted and talked about. Def certainly not in passing by Steve Mongo McMichael or Eric Bischoff, <laughs> while you know Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, you know, traverse the ring on 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 you know live on Nitro. 
Yeah. Um, they, they, they bring it up every, every night, you know, they, they, they talk yeah. about it obsessively yeah. and, and certainly don't, uh, rant about Hulk Hogan's, you know, suspension. Um, would you say that's the big angle? <laughs> we often talk about it. That's a good example. Right? Real overarching um, angle. The, 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 real, the real overarching angle is Hulk Hogan losing his temper and getting suspended for one week so he could, you know, uh, I guess enjoy his holidays. Um, <clears throat> the, <laughs> uh, but they really build the triangle match between Sting, yeah. Luger, and Flair. I mean, they build that sucker up. Mm-hmm. Um and I really love the build of that match. I think it's excellent. Um, with WWF, we have Brett Bulldog. The highlight of that build, from what I understand, actually occurs on the Superstars. Right. There's a famous segment where Diana and, and Davy Boy are interviewed on Superstars. Oh, I've never yes. seen it, but I've heard about it. Have yes. you seen this? I've seen clips. Where they're just all condescending on Brett and talking about how awkward it is and their family. I want to say someone tweeted it recently, I want to say. Yeah. It's good Um, shit. And then, of course, but the the real big story in WWF is the overarching uh, issue with Shawn Michaels and his uh, post-concussive syndrome, as Vince likes to say. Um, And the many videos and and, and, uh, doctor's analyses and and, uh, Vince McMahon voiceovers and... and, uh, Tell me a lie to close out the year. So we we, mm. we, have, we have lots of uh, lots of things going on. You sure do, man. I, was, I looked at that format and I said, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. So we'll get into that, folks. If you can, if you enjoy this video, give it some time. Maybe it'll pop you. Maybe it won't. But if it does, give us one of those likes up gimmicks that the YouTube kids ask for these days. Also, if you have a comment or question or just want to show some love to the show, Streamlabs.com slash late night grin. No problem. If not, we're probably going to be looking at the chat for our anyway, but we do have a lot to cover, right? So there you go. All right. We have started every week with ECW. They have one. I always said at the start, right? We'll start with the winner of the well, And I just assumed that was going to mean ECW for a while. Huge momentum shift on the television front. WCW, Monday Nitro, with a clean sweep here. Uh, so we will start with them. Firstly, before we go piece by piece, so in the kind of most general way you can, was you surprising yourself as you was highlighting these weeks with the with the nitro color? Was you this is this shocked me when I saw this, man. Any any just kind of broad faults on that part of it first? ECW was really good throughout the month. Um, there were some raws that were just not great. The raws were just kind of raw, raw raw struggled a bit here. Um, which really isn't that surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but WCW, <clears throat> they're figuring out the format for Nitro. They're figuring out yeah. to make it some somewhat of a variety wrestling show. Um, they're doing angles. The overarching storyline, particularly with the triangle match build, even Hogan's delusional stuff is actually kind of fun to watch because the crowd's so hot yeah um not to mention i think it's the december 11th show but it, it, this this was a this was the first really true great month of nitro i think where you have player coming out with charles barkley on december 4th in phoenix yeah you have the december 11th tag uh or you know what? It might be December fourth, um, where Flair and Arn wrestle 
Hogan and Sting. That match is awesome, yeah. by the way. Yeah. That match is really good. That's a really good TV match. And the crowd hates Hogan. They're booing him. Mm-hmm. Him and booing him and There's some like, really good in the like, coming months here. The like, usage of Arn as a TV guy, it comes mm-hmm. back, right? And they use him on night train. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. So carry on that one. Go yeah. Ahead. Um you know, they 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 do the big horseman angle. The first, you know, the one, you know, the one we needed mm-hmm. um with with Orndorf and 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 we'll talk about that here yeah. uh more soon. Um Medusa's debut. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, is, well, when you think about it, there's a lot, right? Nitro, right? Right, uh, Savage taking on all comers, rest defending the title like every week, yeah, you know, defends it, you know, um, against the giant on the 18th, defends it against Flair on Christmas. Like, it, it's it's just it's really it's really well done. Um, I, I think I think they're putting it together, they're getting Malenko and Eddie and Benoit. And and all these guys in the shows have these fun undercard matches. Right. Um, it's they're they're really starting to click. Now I've gotten in '96 before, not to jump too much ahead, but I know that things will start to hmm. unclick. Some <laughs> I well, early '96 Nitro is pretty rough, and 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 yeah. in a lot of spots, I, I'm I can understand from what I understand, and also from what I've experienced myself. Yeah, but. Um, December '95 was was a very good month overall. I think. Now, someone that hasn't watched this may say, "Well, that makes sense, right?" You know, I watch wrestling nowadays, and on the road to WrestleMania, things heat up. So I assume what happened was on the road to Starcade, things heated up, and it isn't quite the case, right? Starcade, yeah. you and I talked about it a lot. Starcade is a really interesting place, in especially at this time. This Starcade is famously billed as the World Cup of Wrestling which is one of those concepts that just on branding alone, you feel like could be a really big deal. But as you kind of alluded to, execution is everything. Explain just here for a moment at the top, you, you referenced some of the, you know, the New Japan invade, all that stuff. Explain not just what they're going for here, but also elaborate on the way it's promoted because the World Cup of Wrestling sounds awful grand, but it doesn't really feel that way on the TV show, does it? Well, if if you recall, you know Joe kind of, you know Joe Joe and I sort of brought it up in passing because I mean yeah. hell, that's what they did on Nitro. Uh, you know, <laughs> Keenan Bobby Keenan makes a deal with Sonny Ono, mm-hmm. and um, by the way, in the Nitro book, Sonny Ono becomes a becomes the liaison between New Japan and WCW because Bischoff, Bischoff just decided on his on, on a whim Incredible. that a buddy. That is that is old bunny Sonny, buddy Sonny Ono would just become the you know the doesn't get any better guy, than that, bro. Mind you, Sonny Ono who 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 did not know great Japanese because he's no. he's 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 an American. He's he's a Japanese American. He's not even. Uh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. So uh, there's this great story of Sonny Ono explains where he has to try to like translate what these guys are saying, and Sonny Ono's yeah. his his Japanese is not up to par. You know. So it's it's. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, Joe? Yes, I had forgot. There's a there's a definitely like a portion where they just explain it, and they try to they try to write this story in the fashion they don't want you to judge be judgmental. But as they give you more and more details about poor Sonny, you can't help but sit there and be like, "Oh man, this is an incredible gig to give him. Incredible, incredible stuff." Um, it does give us though the world coverage. It gives us the WWE's best match of the month, right? Shinjiro Otani and, and Eddie Guerrero. Um, 
I would say a pretty famous match just because it's like, it's one of those deals people point to again in terms of mm. era-wise what this was for WCW. Uh, speak to that match a little bit. Best match of the month for WCW. Go yeah. ahead. Uh, I believe we uh, we uh, we watched that one on a watch long on, yeah. on, on, on the on Grindication several months back. Um, probably just a few months back, actually two months ago. But yeah. two two months ago feels like a like a friggin' eternity. Boy, does it, man! Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So you know, we 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 watched that. It's just they have they they seem to have good chemistry. There's the flow of the match is good. The pace of the match is good. Everything connects, hits. Yeah. The crowd comes up a little bit for it, um, mostly because they're just clicking. And, yeah. and 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 things are working. Um, that wasn't the case for the rest of the show. Um, mm-hmm. Although I will admittedly say I thought Johnny be bad and Saito kind of ruled because okay. literally all they do is just smack each other the entire time and it, yeah. and it, and it rules. Um, it's, it's just such a strange show in terms of pacing. Like we'll get into like some of the reasons for people doing double duty. It's just weird, right? It's a strange mm-hmm. show. Yeah. But, yeah. but anything else on the World Cup element? Any any other like? Sav- who does Savage wrestle in the World Cup part of the? What's his match? Savage wrestles Tenzan. Tenzan. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure Tenzan's still wrestling in New Japan, right? I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I mean, wrestling being, you know. Haircut and all. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just about still there. Okay. <laughs> now, some would ask, Oracle, those not initiated in the WCW experience would say, well, why isn't Hulk Hogan wrestling at Starcade? You mentioned his suspension. Instead, the focus is we have the triangle match, which you referenced. We also have this the world title scene, which is like this chaotic group of humanity. Starcade concludes with Flair covered in blood with the big gold, which is how Starcade should always end. God bless, nothing wrong with that. But speak to what's going on here in the main event into what is, in theory, their biggest show, even though you and I don't, you know, we don't believe it is that at this case, at this point. Hogan's not there. You have the triangle match. He's kind of the centerpiece, but then the belt's doing this and that. Explain best you can, Oracle. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's a lot, um, right? <laughs> it actually makes sense when you're watching it because yes. Sullivan's such a good booker at the time. Um, like, essentially, Hogan's mad that he was screwed out of the title, which, I mean, let's face it, he was. Mm-hmm. But it was booked because Hogan doesn't want to ever look like a chump ever, you know, or, yeah. or you know, he, uh, you know, God forbid he even looks, you know, remotely below or beneath anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's mad and he's angry and he's he's a chair swinging freak and he's, you know, Steve Mongo McMichael and William the Refrigerator Perry are having to, you know, frantically keep him at bay at one point on a, on a nitro where Hogan is viciously attacking the giant and flair and everybody else with a chair and <laughs> William Perry loses his hat and stumbles around. The funniest part is when the fridge, <laughs> the fridge loses his hat and they're trying to hold Hogan back and the fridge <laughs> almost trips and hurts himself because he's trying oh. to pick up his hat. <laughs> oh, it also adds to the chaos at the same time so it was almost you know it was almost kind of like a fun little addition to that segment um small things are fun sometimes well all the time really um some of those chair shots are pretty fun yeah yeah <laughs> some of those he was actually swinging though yeah uh some he wasn't <laughs> the giant the giant takes a bump his gosh he was so athletic at the time 
Yeah. Um, he takes an insane bump over the rope so after one big chair shot. So Hogan's just mad. And, you know, at first he's on probation. He's, You're on probation. You put him on probation, put the giant on probation for Chokeslam and Randy Savage. They put Flair on probation. Well, then Hogan keeps attacking. He, he keeps attacking referees, hitting him and hitting refs in the head with the chair. It's hilarious. Um, so they eventually just suspend him. And the funny thing is they suspend him on like, I think they announced it on like the 23rd of December. He's descended, he's suspended for the remainder of 1995. Whoop de fucking do that. That's just Christmas week. What, 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 what good is that going to do? I mean, that rules, right? Objectively, that rules. <laughs> <laughs> we should, we should shoot that angle in the grin sometime, shouldn't we? <laughs> Christmas week, we should have someone suspended for the rest of the year. <laughs> Give Bob a week off. Um, now the triangle match is, the match itself is strange, but it's, the story is compelling, right? Lay some of that out, and then we'll get into the well, fascinating structure of that thing. It really is an interesting match. Go ahead. The sort of issue is, like, Savage, no, a kind of... So they do this thing where, like, Hogan and Savage actually agree to a match the week before Hogan gets suspended. Mm-hmm. Because Hogan... But Savage is also kind of great in this period because... He wants to prove that he's like a viable champion and a worthy champion because he kind of knows he won it in a crappy way. So he, so they, they, they actually help him in a lot of ways by having him defend the title in, in multiple matches. Now they're not really clean finishes, like, but you know, because you can't really have these guys lose clean. But it, at least it makes him look like a fighting champion. So that's actually interesting. The giant is around, but he's kind of. They're kind of holding him back because they're holding on for that cage match at, at, at Super Bowl, right? They're kind of waiting for that. Um, Flair and the Horsemen eventually get involved, just kind of out of nowhere. But it's Flair, but but it's but it's but it's better that way because you need yeah. you know the Horsemen need to be involved in the main event scene. Flair needs to be involved. Um, but the most compelling part is the is the Sting Luger relationship, right? And and they cut these promos every week about how we're best friends. But you know, Luger's like, I'm the uncrowned champion. I've beaten Randy Savage three times. I've beaten him up three times. Sting is just amazing. I love Sting's promos so much because mm-hmm. he's just he's out there going, he's just he's just having a blast cutting these. <laughs> and like it's you know it's it's Sting, man. You know mm-hmm. how can how can you dislike the guy? Um. You know, he's he's kind of out there, you know, calling out Luger, saying, you know, we're best buds, but, you know, when it, when it comes to it, you and I are going to are gonna face off in the triangle. Right. Right? It's just, it's really compelling TV because, you know, Luger's a heel, Sting's a face. You've got the fighting champion, Savage. You've got the horseman and Flair and their, and their mm-hmm. antics. It's, a, it's just a really, it's a really, it's a really fun TV, I think. How much of Flair's presence in the the triangle match do you think is as simple as they felt to make that match what it needed to be? They needed Flair as the kind of glue guy in the ring because Flair is he's up and down all over the place in that one, isn't he? It's just wild. So mm-hmm. speaking, you know, with that in mind, speak a little bit to the match. Is you and I have talked about it before? It's the the tagging and it's it's an interesting match. It's long. Right. It's three matches in one. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually three matches. Yeah, um, Loss from PWO made a great post about it. 
uh, about how it's actually just three matches in one. The first match is Flair and Sting. The second match is mm-hmm. Flair and Luger. And the third match is Sting Luger. Yeah. Um, and like Flair works. It's interesting because each match has kind of worked differently. Right. Um, I thought Flair was great in this. Oh, he's incredible in this. Match. I thought he was great the whole month. I think a good match. He had a good TV match with Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's just he's. You know, he's he's really good in that match. Like, mm-hmm. um, he just he just knows how to do it. And I, I actually really like the finish. Um, you know, because Sting Sting and Luger are up there, and then Flair just clips Luger. Yes, and then Sting yes, kind of yes. collapses on top of Luger, and they both fall out of the ring. That was that was, mm-hmm. that was a clever finish. And then Luger pulls Sting to let him come back in. That was good too. Like, and, and it shows that like Sting was willing to like. If you notice, and I feel like it's—I feel like it was a deliberate detail from Sullivan in his book. Mm-hmm. If you watch this match, when Sting is going to cover Flair for a big pin, Luger pulls him off. Yeah, but when Luger's over there making cover, Sting's not—you know—Sting didn't bother pulling him off, right? Because Sting's, you know, the more, the more, you know. That's that contrast between you know, them, right? They yeah, may be friends, exactly. but there's the more, one of them's the more a good guy, one friend, right. I guess. Yeah. But, you know, and so, and then it also proves true when Luger pulls him down from the apron at the at the finish of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good shit, man. It's it really, like that's the one thing, and we took like this format. Once and all at times this month, obviously it was it was better than that, but the ability to show to actually have some nuance with the main characters. Mm-hmm. Is really prevalent with these shows. I, I do right. recommend people watch it. Right. Think... And, and and I want to point out it was hilarious when Flair bled so much from a megaphone shot. Jimmy Hart's megaphone. And then you could man. tell like Shivani and everybody was like, uh, I don't think he was supposed to do that. Yeah. So they, he, he was he, he was forced to put a towel on his head and they, and they and, and, and they refused it to the interview because there was like a no a total like <laughs> no blood policy whatsoever. Starcade, man. <laughs> What are you gonna do right? Yeah. What are you gonna do now? I, I want to quickly mention you had uh, Savage's promo from this show was was the best promo. You you kind of referenced his attitude here on the screen and off, right? This idea that like you know he's aware of what's going on and he's not gonna let himself be be victim of that. Speak a little bit to his promo here and just Savage in general as champ and this is, man, he's committed, right? Nothing else. It's just Savage. He's, he's he he might be the best wrestling character of all time. Yeah. Um, He's just he's just out there cutting this wild promo like you to infinity and beyond and all this weird shit and it's just it's <laughs> popping me and like he's just like talking about being a fighting champion and being Randy Savage and it rolls. Yeah, they're uh, they're closing match at Starcade. Obviously, because of the circumstances, it's a short. It's like it genuinely is like you know they have a, they have a, they have a few minutes there and Flair does what you just mentioned. He's bleeding buckets because. When you do something, right, there needs to be some drama in this thing. It isn't quite the epic you'd want, but they do right. wrestle on TV, what, like two days earlier? So yeah. how do you feel about their matches together, Flair and Savage? I remember liking the whole feud, particularly when Woman and Elizabeth get involved because yeah. the whole deal just pops me. <laughs> um, <laughs> although it probably doesn't hold up quite as well in terms of... Uh, it happens. A lot of that stuff isn't going to hold up, bro. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what does hold up though. Added to the commentary team, my this to me is the ultimate way to decide someone's green in professional wrestling. Dusty, 
is on the team. You have you have Tony, Bobby, and Dusty. And folks, listen, this game may be subjective, but if you tell me that this team doesn't pop you, you're missing a trick, man, because this is a blast. <laughs> These dudes very seldom care about what they're watching. It's amazing. Dude, one of the funniest things I've ever seen is after after WCW wins the World Cup or whatever, and yeah. Heenan's got his back to the screen and he's getting all stuck in his chair. And Shivani is literally bursting out laughing and can't control yes. himself. Yes, yes, that's it's incredible, man. It's <laughs> dusty. Like I get why at the time, like the smart fan, you know, I get it. I understand. We all take wrestling a little seriously sometimes. How fun is he when you go back and watch these pay-per-views, man? Dusty's presence, he pops me consistently on these damn shows. He's he's outrageous and his chemistry with the guys. It's great time, right? Oh, Absolute great time. Great. Okay, now. Let's put a little bit of a bow on Starcade. I don't want to say the cliche of it doesn't quite feel like Starcade because what does that mean at this point? The year before Beefcake was in the main event, right? What you know, but it's felt it's fair to say, Eric, it just doesn't quite feel like Star. It's a strange show, right? It really is. It is a strange show. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not quite it's not quite there. Um, there's not very many Starcades left that feel like Starcade. Yeah. Um, I love the build of 96 and Stark 96 itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the show's not great, great, but it's, 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 it's a fun show. And, and, you know, one day in, you know, 75 years, we'll get to that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was, this was, this, this was lacking a little bit of that, a, a little bit of that, um, pomp and circumstance that you want from, from, from Starcade. Um, lacking a little bit of that, of that, uh, big time feel and build. That's one thing they do get better at in the yeah. coming years, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you look at like, I mean, the result of it is what it is, but the 97, the pre-match in 97 is about as big time as WCW ever felt. Like the Sting presentation is incredible. And even, again, the result is what it is, but... Even Nash and Goldberg's match has that kind of energy, right? So they, that definitely improves as the, as the promotion always takes a shift here in the following summer. But yeah, this one, what was the obsession with making these Starcade cards like concept shows? So puzzling, right? Like so much of them, especially, you know, in early 90s through to here, you know, Battle Bowl, and it's and now we have the World Cup. It's just I know. strange. It really is strange. Um, yeah. Okay, you mentioned this, so we'll, we'll circle back to it. The... The horsemen and their kind of usage then being inserted into the main event scene. They also have to deal with, you know, the Dungeon of Doom and that whole thing, which is going to lead us to some hilarious places here in the next couple of months. Speak a little bit to the horsemen and their ongoing kind of riff with the Dungeon of Doom. Two very similar factions in wrestling history, Oracle, right? <laughs> yeah. So the big segment that occurs is, and it's the angle of the month, so I'm going to go ahead and jump to that, mm-hmm. is the horsemen taking out Paul Orndorff. So what happens is they come out, they cut for a promo. You know, they, they come out for a program with a promo for uh, mean gene. Good Lord. And, um, uh, Pillman gets on there and just starts like, this is really the first like true, like loose cannon promo from him. He's over there and he makes a, he makes a off cuff remark about, the dungeon of doom and, and the, he's doing the shark thing <laughs> he's making fun of the dungeon of doom and just ripping people and saying like and then he rips paul orndorff orndorff comes out and says he has a problem with it and 
you know, uh, the only reason Pillman's a horseman is because, uh, you know, Orndorff turned him down. Then he slaps Pillman. Mm-hmm. Then Pillman goes after him. And the best part is Orndorff, like, because he's a badass, like, actually, like, I mean, I know it's an angle and everything, or whatever, but like Orndorff, like totally is like whooping on his ass. Yeah, he makes him earn it, man. It's, it's kind of there's a lot, of, there's a lot of shooting there, right? It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. well, it's Orndorff, you know, he's 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 an old school guy, you right? Know, and it makes it good. It's a hell of an angle, right? It's yeah, a hell of an yeah. angle. And then Best of course Arn and you know Arn's great. He's like, no, don't you, don't you? He's like, hold on now, Orndorff. I got a lot of respect for you, but you can't touch a horseman, you know, because it's and so they end up they end up uh, beating the shit out of. Orndorff and giving him a really cool looking spike pile driver. Flair gets up on top of the WCW sign mm-hmm. on the entrance stage, and Arn's holding him up, and they spike pile drive him. And Pillman stands over and gets into the <laughs> he's doing his Pillman stick. And it's and, only a couple uh, more of these left, man. In terms of those those kind of vintage horseman moments, right? Right. Like, right. I mean, I think the most famous Nitro one, obviously the most famous is Flair coming back, but that's a different right. vibe, right? The, the Second one probably the Arn's retirement. Yeah, and I would say the one that fits this bill is one, when the NWO is has arrived and they do they you know beat up Beefcake and they kind of send the message and Arn cuts that that promo. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about, right? Like, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that here. It won't be that long away, but this is a this is a classic awesome moment, the one that kind of evokes memories of yesteryear. Great, great stuff. Now, moments that have lived forever. We referenced this in pretty good detail last week. The Medusa angle, right? The very famous, often replayed and clipped and so on and so forth. Right. Iconic, some would call it. You don't really feel that way here in December 95. Speak to it a little bit, Oracle. Go ahead. One one more thing on the, on, on the dungeon thing real quick. Mm-hmm. So basically after that, Sullivan's mad that – that Pillman is taking shots, pot shots at the dungeon of doom. So Sullivan's like threatening Pillman and telling Flair and Flair's like, what's up devil. Cause he calls that. It's hilarious. Um, and he's telling the horseman, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta control Pillman. So we're, so we're building towards Sullivan and Pillman now. I just, I just kind of want to let that out yes. there. But as far as the Medusa deal, this was, this was so it's weird. Like it's mm. like, I like the angle actually in in some ways, but it's like, um, I think the reason nobody ever talked about it until WWF sort of made it bigger is that they don't even talk about it on Nitro. No, it's executed he, in he the just strangest shows up way. And trashes yeah. it in the belt. The funniest part is when Bischoff pulls the belt back up and looks at it and drops it yeah. back in the trash. That's the funniest part. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stuff you and I pop for right there, brother. So look, I think objectively this was a hell of a month for WCW in terms of Nitro, right? It's a little mm-hmm. bit kind of the wall is a little bit muddy by the fact that Starcade was just as kind of odd as it was. Not that it was terrible, it was just a strange show. Yeah. But overall, I think you laid it out really nicely there earlier, and I didn't fall this way. This is kind a truly significant you know month for, for Nitro and its existence, right? The identity of that show is kind of Taking shape in real time. So a thumbs up from a WCW perspective, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Okay, so there you go, folks. Clean sweep for Nitro. I'll quickly look at the chat here because Connor asked the question. You and I are very familiar. The name of the Nitro book is, I believe, is the the um good lord, the incredible rise and inevitable fall. Is that the I think I think it's it's called Nitro, but I think it's like Nitro. What is it? Uh, colon or semicolon? Yes. Or and then the incredible yes. rise and 
Yeah, there you go. Uh, something, something like that. It's it's if if you if you Google it, Guy Evans Nitro yeah. fight yeah. by Guy Evans, you, sh- you should be able to find yeah. it no problem. Oracle can now vouch. I've been putting over on the air for years. It's incredible, yeah. isn't it? It's quite good. Don't get any bell. Okay, we look ahead here. We're going to move now to ECW. Their first month here without claiming victory in terms of the 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 weekly battles. Now, they have Holiday Hell ahead. Now, you explain the significance of this pretty well in terms of first show New York City. And so, do you think that's like, that's nuts to think that they're kind of hot here and that's like, this is happening now? I mean, that's kind of an iconic destination for them, right? Mm-hmm. Is the significance apparent just watching the show? Does it feel like a huge deal in, in you know, real time, so to speak? It does. It does. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can. You can tell just by how it's booked and like the matches they put on the show that it's yeah. a big deal. But there's they 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 really throw a lot out there for for the fans. Like I, they mm-hmm. they 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 do a really fun show. Yeah. So we'll get into that somewhere. Before we do though, uh, Sandman reclaims the ECW title here. Speak us through that a little bit before we we dive mm-hmm. into what Holiday Hell is looking like. Go ahead. So at December to December, uh, which they had the triple threat title elimination match, Sandman, Mike Whipwreck, superstar Steve Austin, and Austin's only uh, or second uh, match that was at least televised mm-hmm. um, in ECW. Um, and then it might have been his last. It was aired on the uh, December 12th episode of ECW Hardcore TV. And uh, so it's Austin and Mikey to start out, and like Austin eliminates my, or like, no, it's it's Austin and I, I think it's I think it's a, maybe it's Austin and Sandman that starts it out, but it, it, it Austin starts it in there, and then I think maybe Mikey comes out later, and then they get into a Mikey's kind of working underneath and double teams them, and Mikey actually gets pinned after after the uh, hot shot and uh, or or the stun gun mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's down to Austin and, and Sandman, and they and they have a fun brawl. Um, Sandman's such a blast, um, yeah. and, and <laughs> he's he's legitimately fun and good at this time. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and uh, basically, there's a bunch of interference because it's smoke and mirrors, and it's Paul Heyman, um, <laughs> and uh, Sandman ends up covering Austin. But Austin gets his foot on the rope, but the ref doesn't see it. But okay. they don't do anything about it anyways because it's ECW. Fuck it. And it rules. And <laughs> Sandman, <laughs> Sandman wins wins the title. Sandman actually like breaks a bone in his wrist at one point in the match. My God. He, I, I, think, I, I think it's a shoot. Or maybe, you know what? It might have been work. I can't remember. But with these guys, I mean, yeah, well. and there's, you know. Taping his jaw together a few years. I'm not sure Sandman knows if it was a work or a shoot. If you asked him, he may be like, but like he blocks, he blocks a stun gun on the guardrail. I think he blocks it with his right hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I I think, I think that might have been a shoot, but okay. Now, Sandman at the aforementioned Holiday Hill show, uh, he he wrestles Raven, right? Now, speak a little bit to what Raven's doing here because the saga of Dreamer continues. Um, get into that a little bit. Obviously, he's one of the main characters here. Speak to Raven's December 95. Go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> the Raven Dreamer feud, it continues on. Um, 
So essentially, they have a number one contenders match set for Holiday Hell, Raven and Dream. Mm-hmm. Well, they do this thing where Stevie Richards and the Blue Mini come out after Dreamers out, and they say, "Sorry, Raven broke his leg. He can't be here. You have to face me, or you have to face my Blue Mini." So Dreamer just beats them both with the DDT in like thirty seconds. Then Raven comes out and jumps him, and they have a really fun brawl. They have this really fun match. They brawl. It's it's a Dreamer Raven match. They brawl in the crowd. They go out and they brawl on the Queens Boulevard for like five or ten seconds, and they're both bleeding. Uh, and they're both bleeding. So wow. and there's like cars and traffic going down Queens Boulevard. <laughs> imagine like driving, down, and that's on a Friday night over the holidays. So imagine, so imagine like you've got family in Queens. Okay, it's Christmas '95, and you're going down this major road, Queens Boulevard. You look out, and there's two, and there's one guy looking like he's at a grunge concert, covered in blood, and another like. <laughs> I can't even describe the time. I was read. wondering how he was going to describe it. He just looks like a guy, right? He's, got, he's just <laughs> a guy with his hands tied. Some <laughs> random guy covered in blood, and they're like swinging each other into a brick building. And somewhere's like, what's going on over at the what's going on over at the Lost Battalion Hall? And the funny thing is about the venue is there's no mats because CCW. So they just put the ring on top of the basketball court. Oh, and you see go. like the basketball goals in the background. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, that's one of Gabe's favorite tributes to ECW, right? He was a big fan of doing that too, so I'm sure it's fine. Um, <laughs> before we move on from Raven, the Dudley boys leave Raven's Nest. You know what's fun? Like, when I read Raven's Nest, it's wild that the flock has, like, in wrestling history, it's kind of taken its place. And, like, when people think of his fact, I it almost caught me off guard reading it. Speak a little bit to the Dudley boys here. You mentioned Barbara getting over huge. Um, explain that process a little bit, Oracle. So basically, Bobby getting over kind of, I think, it's just kind of Heyman being able to read the crowd and going, well, this might as well just turn a baby face. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Bubba likes to dance. And he comes out and he's dancing. And he sort of upstages Blue Meanie, and Blue Meanie on a dance-off. Yeah. So they end up having a match and... Steve Richards is like, if you lose, you're going to be fired from Raven's Nest. Well, they end up winning, and Stevie's like, oh, it's just the meanie. We're just messing with you. And the Dudleys and Bubba Ray are like, nope, we quit. So that's that's kind of basically what happens. Um, Reading the crowd and going with it, brother. Who'd yeah. have thought it, huh? You can do that stuff, apparently. There you go. Right. <laughs> um, they're in for a hell of a few years here, so we'll, we'll be covering that, obviously. Quickly, I want to read. I want to credit at least a, a lovely super grin here from Franco says just a tip for another great week or how we appreciate Franco. You can do the same streamlabs.com slash late night grin. It's been a hell of a month Oracle. We're, we're a lot closer to selling to Spotify or the ringer, you know, Bob would rather, well, you know, he's easy with either of those options, right? You know, he's a big Bill Simmons guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, you mentioned Mikey Whitrick. He had the, the month's best match on the, the Holiday Hell show with Two Cold Scorpio. Talk us through that one, pal. You need to watch ECW Two Cold Scorpio. I do. Your assessment of him has disappointed me. Yeah. Um, I really like WCW Two Cold a lot. Um, yeah. You're going to have to watch his ECW stuff. Um, you may not like it as much, um, but I'm, I'm a huge fan. 
but I, I suspect you, you've probably known you've always been kind of an outsider on him. Oh um, yeah. I, I think I enjoy him in WCW and when he, you know, especially with teams is back where it's like, he's obviously the clear kind of the, the, the center of that team in terms right. of skill. I just haven't seen enough of him where he's like actually at his peak. Probably is the truth, right? Right. Because you know, in WCW, WCW Scorp is probably his peak, honestly. Yeah, because in WCW, like as fun as he is in WCW, he is very spotty, right? Like he'll right. do crazy shit just kind of because. So right. I really need to see more of this stuff rather mm -hmm. than before and after, because obviously there's right. limitations to both sides of that. But anyway, it's I will actually try this. I watched the uh, Bretton Bulldog match, which we'll talk about here shortly. So I need yeah. to do some of these ECW things. Each show I have like right. a little ECW tally. I haven't got to yet. I need to. So talk us through this one, Oracle. So this is basically like Mikey's just such a good underdog. Mm -hmm. He's kind of a divisive guy because people just think he's this, this crummy looking ring career kid. You know, I think he fucking rules. Um, obvious by my choosing of him and Crowbar as a tag team. Um, <laughs> but. <clears throat> Late night grin reference there, um, but uh, <laughs> hang on, we actually need to promote that, folks. If you enjoy this content, latenightgrin.com, there is an episode of the grin, and it's titled "It's the Tag Team Draft." And we did we draft the tag teams from today. You could make teams, and Oracle's performance on that show will live forever in grin history. That was an incredible night, wasn't it? <laughs> and that's a real thing that happened. Crowbar and, and Mikey Whitbury, and he booked it too the next week, which is even funnier. So you got to go see that. I'm telling you, if you subscribe recently and you haven't gone back in the archives, I don't blame you. Go to that particular episode and find the draft portion. It's very funny. Uh, Sorry, Oracle. Go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, worth, worth promoting that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so it's basically just like Mikey's getting – Mikey has these great comebacks. He times them really well. Of course, there's crazy spots you always get in an ECW match, but Scorpio just destroys him, hits him with all of his big top rope moves. And he keeps pulling him up. But if you know the story of Mikey and you know Scorpio's character within ECW, it kind of makes sense. It's silly, you know. I'm not. I'm never a huge fan of that. Right, you keep pulling him up and you can just pin him. But in the story, in the context, it does make sense. You know, you believe in those characters so much that that it makes sense. And uh, eventually, it it uh, backfires. And uh, Mikey gets the win, and uh, um, I think it's I think Cactus helps Mikey win actually. Um, Cactus comes down and uh, and helps Mikey win. There's a ref bump because we need ref bumps in an ECW match when rules aren't even applied anyways, and it rules. <laughs> um, that's the one. Th there are things about ECW that are grading, but it's also hilarious because it's ECW. Yeah, they insist on having ref bumps. So they could do interference and weapon spots and stuff. Well, what's the point when you're just letting them throw good chairs? Yeah, it, it makes any sense. At some point, it just became like the, like a play, right? It was like a go-to. Like the, it was almost like something you paid to see, I guess. Well, there's the ref bump in another match, right? Yeah. I guess I don't know. It's, well, it's the funny part is all the creative ways they do ref bumps. That's actually yeah. impressive. They find the most bizarre ways to do ref bumps. <laughs> Um, but Cactus comes out and beats up like and like helps Mikey win. Yes. Because the thing is, it's for the TV and tag titles. It's one of those right. deals where if Mikey wins, he can pick his tag partner. Well, Cactus does it so he because Cactus still loves Mikey. Incredible. So Mick is God, he's great here. Mick is like hugging Mikey and like, oh, we're the tag chance. And Mikey's like, I don't want to be your tag partner. <laughs> is this the, the promo you listed as the best promo? Is this because that's that's that not, show, yeah, right? that's it's his okay. pre match against Sabu. 
Right, we'll go to that. So, yeah, talking about this leather tag champs and this whole day. Go ahead. So, like, if if, if we recall, (laughs) Cactus and Mikey were tag team champions in 94. Cat back and back back and Cactus was still baby face, and he and Mike mm-hmm. he helped kind of Mikey took Mikey under his wing. Well, what I love about it is Cactus still loves Mikey, no matter what. He's still like it's his buddy, you know. But Mikey's like a baby face, and Cactus has kind of turned on the fans, and not kind of he has turned on the fans, yeah. and he's you know he's under the spell of Raven and all this stuff. But Cactus still you know still loves Mikey, so. When Mikey wins the world title in October, Cactus comes out and hugs him, and like, and like he's the first one out there hugging. He like jumps on him and hugs him, and like, then like everybody else comes out and like stares him down, and Cactus has to like cower away and leave. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's helping Mikey win the tag titles, and um, it's just it's funny. Like Mikey doesn't want to have any part of it, and Cactus is like, "Ah, we're the tag team." <laughs> He is he to... genuine question? Is Foley the best ever when it comes to like finding the correct way to play off of a different guy as both friend and foe? Yes, he's, he's incredible so good at it. Yeah. With everybody, man. Yeah, like especially with the Rock. God, he's funny in the Rock stuff. Right. Like Rock is funny, but like Cac- Nick is unbelievable. He's hilarious. Yeah. And like, <laughs> think about that. Like he's he's with the Rock and he's stealing the segments, man. The dudes. Right. Are... And not in a selfish way or a showy way. He's just fucking great. He's so good at what he does, right? He may be the best ever at that, man. I think that's kind of... He's so good. Yeah. Um, Special, special guy. Great stuff. Okay. Speaking of Cactus, best promo of the the month for ECW was on this show. He said it's pre-match for the uh, Forest with Sabu. Speak to that one a little bit. So (laughs) Cactus comes out and goes on this long spiel about... um, a famous fan at the ECW arena, John, who's who's uh, wheelchair bound, and uh, you know, giving him a ride, and goes on this long spiel about all this, and and basically he he manages because it's Mick, he connects it with yeah, deciding that he's going to uh, wrestle Sabu in an Olympic rules match, and he's being dead serious, and he's like, and we're gonna have. Ref- you know, NCAA amateur referee John Pee Wee Moore, because Pee Wee Moore is there refereeing, and he calls him out, and he goes, Pee Wee's going to give you the rules, and he's being dead serious, and they're reading, like, Pee Wee Moore gets on, and, like, Mick's just talking about how they're going to have, literally, like, just going to have an Olympic rules amateur wrestling match right there, <laughs> and it's great heat, and, like, Mick comes off so sincere, because it's, you know, yep. it's him, you know, and, Fans are off booing Sabu, and then John Bailey Moore gets on the mic and like he's explaining the rules, and it's hilarious. And it's like you get takedown, it's a point. If you cannot get, you cannot touch the ropes, or you get a negative point. You cannot do, you know, weapons. There's no kicks. There's no strikes. There's all this stuff. And then Sabu just beats the shit out of the raft, and they just have a crazy match. Insane. They have an insane match. Yeah, that tracks. I mean, like it's a, it's one of those matches where like Mick is taking some horrifying bumps and spots. Mm. There's a spot where he gets his neck and his ear caught up in the ropes, like he did in Germany, mm. and it's his other ear. Oh, <laughs> and the spot where he gets he hangs himself, and Sabu fucking runs up 
and just fucking just drop kicks him. Clump jumps on him. And Mick falls off. And you can see it. I swear to you not. Mick is checking to make sure his, his other oh. ear is actually intact. Incredible, man. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? And then, well, you know, it's you know the first show in New York. Yeah, uh, I, I guarantee you that's what, it, what what the thought process was. Well, I mean, again, think what you just said. The the time he lost it, he was in Germany. It was a spot show, right. man. The dude's nuts. It's, he's just different, right? He's... And they do. Oh my God, Mick! Then they do a spot where he gets Gorilla Plus slammed off off the off. You know, trying to do the cactus elbow, and it's yeah. just and it's on a basketball court, and he takes that typical Foley bump where he takes like. You know, Nick's got a big ass. Um, so, you know, he takes it like fast first. So there's this huge, loud thump, but he also bumps his head hard. So, oh, you, so it looks like it's like that. It's kind of like those crazy bumps he took on like the Orndorff match. Remember that? Mm -hmm. one? Oh, that is incredible. Yes, that's incredible. And like they also do at the end, the end of the match, Sabu gives him an Arabian face buster with a chair. And Mick barely blocks it. It just hits of him course. in the face. And Mick's like, "There's a great spot where Mick like, I can't remember what happens. Like, I think it might be after the face buster, or before it, or something. Where like Savu like shoot kicks him in the face, and Mick just gets mad and just starts headbutting him as hard as he can. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute blast watch, right? It sounds yeah, like it was, had it was a lot of fun. Okay, elsewhere on this show, the best angle, Taz and, and 911 go face-to-face. -face. The the former, of course, as you mentioned, is with, with Fonzie, and they're running wild, and, and all that good stuff's going on. Speak us through that one a little bit. I, I think I've seen the clip of the reaction to this. I'm pretty sure this this kind of face-off. So speak to you a little bit, Oracle. Go ahead. So <clears throat> I want to point out, because there was an error that I had made in November. It was a big one, but I, I want to correct it. Taz and Sabu were tag partners. They weren't they, they weren't feuding. Okay. Um so this was like they they were still I mean this was like really like a three or four year in the making build. Mm -hmm. Um so you know that when Sabu left, he and Taz were still partners, I believe. Um and that's a big part. So basically Taz has a couple of squash matches. He has one against um El Porto Riqueño. At December to dismember, and then another one against uh, is it Koji Nakagawa? Is that right? From FMW at Holiday Hell, you may have to pull it up here. Let me have a look. I'll pull it up. Keep um, going. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm. But they're more. just great squashes. He hits these crazy suplexes. There's a great spot in the um, Porto Rocanio match where he catches him in the Tazplex. He catches him, you know, the you one, correct. you know, the uh, half Nelson suplex. Mm -hmm. You were correct, by the way. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, Taz just laughs, and, and and it's and it's like the classic Taz like commentary laugh too. So it's mm -hmm. great. He's like, ha ha ha. <laughs> he like hits him. Let me tell you, he's great. The chance starts sending Sabu, and Taz just takes a bump on his back and tells Sabu, calling Sabu up, and it's just he just. This is so good. He's so he's he's like the most enticing guy in the whole company mm -hmm. at the time, and um, his promos are incredible. He just gets on the mic, <laughs> and on the at the December to December show after he beats up 
uh, a Puerto Ricano, and he and and he debuts the Taz mission, the Kata mm -hmm. uh, Hajime, and there's a great little little side video after the match where Joey Styles explains the like physics of the Kata Hajime. It's great, um, which is also something that Taz would later do right. uh, with his team Taz, um, gentlemen, and uh, Taz gets to the mic and goes. Hey, your boy Sabu, that fucking pussy Sabu. <laughs> like, he's you know saying all these things and and uh, again I I uh, you know I have to be careful what I quote, but <laughs> that was that was that was that was a bit of a stretch, but that's you know it's fine. Um, and Taz just dropping f bomb saying Sabu's in New Japan. He doesn't care about you. You 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 know he doesn't care about you. You know he he doesn't want to come here and perform for you guys because he was I think he was at a New Japan show mm -hmm. for this. And then uh, at the end of the promo, he just goes, "Sabu doesn't fucking care about you, and and me and Fonzie don't either. Fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> I need to see these promos, right? I need to see it's these promos. Amazing. And then in the uh, um, in the uh, Nakagawa match, he just you know squashes him again, hits a bunch of cool stuff. Gets on the mic, yells at everybody, and then, and then, and then at the end he goes "fuck off." He, it's just amazing. It's like it's it's very funny. Um, it it rules. Taz rules. He's so Simple good. Formula, man, trash talk at least a share, guys. Right? Create an aura around that guy. It really is wild. Um, okay, I'm always intrigued by the kind of the rotating door in terms of talent here, especially ECW is very interesting there, right? Cause a lot of guys stop through, right? So let's talk about some of the, mm -hmm. the incomings. Then we'll go on the other side of things. The heavenly bodies stop through here. I believe it was listed in the format as a, a cup of coffee runner right? they had here. They had a little talk a little bit to that. And, um, and then a bit of Missy Hyatt. They're two talents to stop through here. Go ahead, Oracle. Um, <clears throat> Missy actually has a long stay because she she manages Salmon for the majority of '96, um, and there's a whole angle there. I actually forget how that comes about, but we'll, we're we're starting to get into that. Yeah. So, so the very first segment of the Holiday Hell event, Steve Richards and Blue Meanie come out and like are doing their weird thing, and Steve Richards starts making some 1995 jokes of. Yeah fans in new york city mm -hmm. um that would no way fly today um and i'll leave it at that you can look it up for yourself the uh tell you what that show that shows tv mature disclaimer um yeah that 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 sucker uh i made the most of it huh yep makes the most of it um <laughs> so just you know um and uh, he spots Missy Hyatt in the crowd. Missy's out there. And uh, she's actually really good here. Just kind of, you know, just like being charismatic and whatever. And uh, right. Steve Richards is like trying to hit on Missy. And he's like, I'll get you a date with Raven. And of course, Missy's all like excited about that. And uh, so she ends up giving him quite the uh, lip lock. Um because he has offered to give her a date with Raven. Um, so he got to uh, kiss Missy Hyatt for that. Um, so 
Um, so that's 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 how she's debuted, and I, I think she stays out there in the crowd for the for the remainder of the show because uh, Mick Mick addresses her on the mic in his promo. Oh my God, she just stays um, there. That rules. <laughs> I think so. For like, a... <laughs> um, and uh, the heavily bodies show up because mm. they're part of the Ultimate Jeopardy deal. They come in and they join Raven's Nest and they help come in and beat up the Public Enemy, beat up Dreamer. Um. Beat up Mikey Whitbreak too, I think. I can't remember. Um, oh, I don't think they beat up Mikey. It's Dreamer and Public Enemy. Um, and they're like hitting on Beulah McGillicuddy and Beulah's box segments. And yeah. they're kind of just around for only a couple of weeks. And then uh, Joy Styles makes a joke of Jimmy Delray is still an ECW, but his tag team partner has literally flipped. Uh, and <laughs> In, in uh, regards to uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, who has yeah. joined Skip for Indeed. Skip and Zip, the Body Donnas, and uh, in the World Wrestling Federation, and so he gets you know made fun of by Joey Styles every week on TV. After that, um, <laughs> as Jimmy Del Rey is, 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 is a hanger on for a little while longer, but uh, yeah, it was it was a very brief brief stay. Uh, the body's kind of. Uh, they just sort of dissipate after after Smoky Mountain closes, and uh, I really like them as a team. They're such a good team. Yeah, Smoky like, Mountain I, stuff's worth watching, man. It really yeah, is. Right? Yeah. I know you. I'm like you know for the chat. Yeah. I know you've. I like. like I like both versions yeah. too. Yeah, it's good. It's a good team, and like that. You know, people. Um, we talk about this a lot. You and I have kind of veered off in this way on the grim, but like, I don't think people sometimes today realize that you can build it. Joe has frozen. Smoky Mountain, and they were the natural foil, right? Like it was, right. it was, it was really cool stuff. I recommend that stuff. Um, now, in the revolving door, leaving the territory, um, we have, we start with woman who shows up in Nitro. What, like January, February, pretty soon here, right? Pretty soon, pretty soon. So this this start there. What's what's going on with her in ECW? Well, they she's still there. Her? She's still managing Sandman Scorpio. She's you know she manages Sandman the Raven match. But they do a segment on the 26th of December. There was because she at the time before the holiday hell event, she's managing every champion. Because right. Scorpio and Sandman are the tag champs. Scorpio is a TV champ. Sandman is the world champ. Mm-hmm. And they do, and he says from the the best the hotline stuff is great. Then this whole period, all three have hotlines, and uh, <laughs> Joey's well, that rules immediately. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been reported from the WCW hotline that oh. woman oh. will be the manager of world championship wrestling heavyweight champion Macho Man Randy Savage. That was a rumor at the time. Um, evidently, at least according to this episode of ECW, uh, woman has denied this claim and says she has no, no plans of leaving ECW, but the hotline will give you more with Lance Wright or whatever oh. or something. So, House Party 96, which will be the first week of January. So, next, next, in two weeks' time, it's going to be two weeks, folks. Um, when we, when we cover January 96, <laughs> um, <clears throat> House Party 96 has a pretty, pretty fun, uh, exit for, for a woman involving two gold Scorpio. I believe it's House Party, um, that I've always enjoyed. Um, <laughs> Scorpio's comments are 
not the most flattering, but it, but it does but it does get a chuckle, and it's and it's a cool way for a woman. She's been so dastardly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. she, she's so good, uh, you know, in 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 ECW that uh, she has a she has a nice she has one of these legendary ECW exits that they actually do really well with. Um, Haven was always good about booking people's exits. He was great about that, especially their exits, debuts and exits. But I guess he had to get good at it in some ways, right? right I guess right. like you know, it's, right. it's different now when you have a a less funded national promotion. They don't really run, right? Like these other national promotions we have nowadays, they run a TV tape in a month. That's not ECW running shows, man. You have to. Right. I guess you have to get good at closing each chapter off. Um, speaking of such, the public enemy are out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we started this journey a few months ago, right, they were really integral. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're out of the territory, brother. Talk us through it. Yeah. So uh, once again, their last event is also at House Party. They've got one last match. That's obviously House Party is named after them, right? It's Public Enemy House Party. Um, that's 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 their last big event, January fifth, mm-hmm. before they uh, head over to WCW and uh, do their deal there. They do, that's a good way for it. They do their deal there. Yes, they do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Dusty Rhodes pops for all their matches and it rolls. Um, God bless, man. What, what an addition to the team, huh? Incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, Public Enemy, they were probably the biggest heels, maybe arguably the biggest heels in 94 and the biggest bases, biggest faces in 95, and they're out. That was a big loss for them. Do you think um, that goes under? Do you think their importance goes understated when people talk about ECW's kind of history? It does. People don't yeah. talk about them enough. They were huge, mm-hmm. hugely integral. And, you know, in fear of being dismissive, how much of that do you think is down to the kind of lack of success afterwards, right? Like it's easy for guys to point at yeah. dudes that had, you know, these great, and that's not their fault necessarily. It's just, mm-hmm. do you think that's part of it that people have kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's part of it. Johnny Grunge. Was not the greatest in the ring. Right. Rock Rock was not bad. Rock Rock Rock's actually a good worker. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian Rotten's not wrong about that. Rock 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 really was a good worker. Um, it's just you know the gimmick kind of hindered hindered some things they could do in the ring. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they they were they were huge hugely important in ECW. Um, and, and in some ways, they kind of left the void there, um, at least in terms of the tag division, because it was so they were so they were so important to the company. Yeah. Well, a guy that did go and do some pretty big things, I hear, was Steve Austin. I hear he did pretty well for himself. Oh, I I, I, I did too. Yeah. Uh, He's wrapping up his business with ECW here. Obviously, the next few months are going to be fascinating from an Austin perspective. Mm-hmm. We'll get there in the end, obviously, but. Um, Kind of put a bow on his run and, and what's going on. Obviously, we've talked a little about what he was doing this particular month, but just overall, his run, his run ruled. Man, he was great. Yeah. He was so compelling. Mm-hmm. Promos were great. He looked good in the ring. Yep. He was motivated. Um, because like I mean, the last six months, Austin WCW was that man was not motivated. Yeah, even before the injury, he was not a motivated man. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, are you getting squashed by honking or was it Jim Duggan or whoever the hell it was? Duggan, yeah, they do that angle, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's like a clash, right? I'm doing a clash, yeah, yeah, something like that. I can't write something like that, or it might have been Fall Brawl. Was it, Fall Brawl? it might have been. There's a deal where he 
like he doesn't think he's going to wrestle because his opponent's not. Steamboat can't wrestle, right? That's the deal. Steamboat right. can't wrestle, so he comes out and then out comes mm-hmm. Duggan and he's key squashes him. Yeah, it's brutal. Brutal, brutal moment. Yeah. I imagine Steamboat's still being healthy and sticking around in that period. Yeah, I'm very suspicious of some of those, some of those departures, you know? It's just yeah. interesting, interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, man, Austin was his final promo where he, like, is doubting himself and he goes in this really sort of rambling rant rules. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the last time we see him there. It's, it's, but it's awesome. Um, I think it's like the 26th of December, maybe, or the 20th, 19th of December, maybe. Okay. Episode. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I will say, you know, this is not a piece of history. It's forgotten. Like this is regularly pointed to as like the, the start of what happens next for, for Austin, right? It's a whenever they, they document his story, they always mention this the same way they do for, for Foley. So it's interesting, those two guys that prove so pivotal here in a few years for, for their BF, they both people f- forget uh, Cactus was a full on ECW original. That dude was there yes, for like 18 months. Yes, absolutely. And in, in history, they're kind of framed as similar runs, right? Which mm-hmm. is not isn't right. But it is fascinating to like, you know, they you could really I'm not saying I would necessarily, Oracle, but you could honestly argue they're the two most important guys in the war, genuinely in the yeah. WF side of things. Yeah. And like here they are yeah. in 1995, right? The war's already underway and they're in ECW. So it's just interesting. Um, okay. Let's conclude our business of ECW. Simple, I guess, to kind of wrap it up. They didn't win any of the weekly TV battles, but does that speak more to Nitro's improvement than any kind of decline for it ECW? Does. It does. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that, that makes sense. So another big month for, for ECW. I quickly want to give some love to a super grin as um, Bob's exploding knees says boom all caps which I hope is merely a compliment of this content and not a reference to Adam Cole Bay Bay uh, in which case you'll be swiftly refunded and banned from this platform it could, just, it could just be the sound that uh, Bob's knees make when they explode <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll never forget him live tweeting like walking in Vegas when he was at SummerSlam. Yeah. I need water. It's so hot here. He's <laughs> like, hey man, what do you want us to do about this? There's like 75 of you on the DL there. You must have, <laughs> someone must have run into him on the strip. Come on, give Bob a water, why don't you? I love the idea of like like everyone that bought all of his mutuals carrying around spare bottles in case Bob walks past. That sounds tremendous. It's okay. Like, it's like, come on, it's dry heat out there. He's probably not even sweating. He probably don't even know he's hot till till he's till he's dizzy because he's dehydrated. All to sit and watch Alexa Bliss and Eve Marie in a stadium, brother. The things we do. These are the games we play. Okay. All to see twenty six seconds of a bad rock bo- of a bad rock bottom. Um, anyways, but, okay. Sorry. Oh, that was fun. Anyway, folks, there's a there's a pod on there somewhere. If you go back deep in the archives on Patreon, called like Bob O'Neill's Las Vegas Sins, and uh, let me tell you, man, that's the time. Uh, okay, WWF in your house. Seasons beatings is the the focus, and we will start at the top. Um, Bret Hart is taking on all comers, and here specifically the match for Bulldog. This was the best match month for WWF. I rewatched it earlier today, and it fascinates me how different this is to Wembley for obvious reasons, right? The mm-hmm. circumstances are so different. What's most interesting about this match to me, Oracle, is that 
it's kind of just a textbook trademark Bret Hart match. It's very simple in structure, but it's so well executed mm-hmm. that you almost like it doesn't matter, right? You get swept right. up in it. Great, great match. Speak to you a little bit here. Called Bret Hart, British Bulldog, uh, in your house, seasons beans. Go ahead. The blood that yeah. Bret spills out there. Vince was about to have a heart attack on commentary. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't show it. Please don't show it, Bret had my heart attack. Remember when he said it? <laughs> He's incredible on commentary. Man. Like, he's terrible, but he pops me tremendously. Like when I did some of this watch, and I was doing it with my brother, and he like got actively frustrated with Vince. And I was like, I I get you, but I can't help but laugh at that dude's like he's ridiculous. It's incredible. <laughs> This match is fucking great, dude. Yeah. Like, Brett is just a complete lunatic. People don't give him credit for, like, the stuff he would bust out and do. Like, mm-hmm. he's out there hitting, like, a perfect German suplex. How many times has yeah. Brett hit a German? Yeah. Like, I mean, Brett, 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 like, but that's what I like about it. He always pulls out stuff in big big title matches. Mm-hmm. I've always said it. He was the thinking, he's the, he's the, He's a wrestler's wrestler. He's a thinking man's wrestler. He was really one of the first wrestlers because it was Brett. He also knew to do it. He he knew how to do it. Yeah. The first wrestler, one of the first big time wrestlers to ever go out there and legitimately hit, like try to have a great match. Yeah. But because it's Brett, he knew how to do it without being like without too being, like, like performative. I'd or... like to have a five star match. Right. Yeah, yeah. But Brett, you know, he was if that wasn't that wasn't Brett's style. Um, you know, Sean was really someone who wanted to be performative and did that. Yes, very showy. Brett, right? Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's so unique in that regard. He's about technique and structure and execution and yeah. I mean, you know, the gimmicks, you know, a shoot. <laughs> yeah. It's um it re- I mean it's every time, you know, you don't want to be we all get how great, like people know how great Brett is, especially in recent years. It feels like it's kind of been a shift in terms of, of narrative. But it is, he is one of those guys where he's truly worth actually watching closely when you watch one of his, especially a match like this, and like the detail and the way that he he wrestles. This is this sounds so simple, but you and I both know this doesn't happen enough. He treats a professional wrestling match with the mindset that a prize fighter would treat their 12-round heavyweight title fight. So when you mention German suplex, he does stuff that's that he's comfortable with because that's what you would do, wouldn't you? You'd have your bag mm-hmm. of tricks. And the idea is when he does that, your reaction at home is supposed to be, oh, shit, Brett's digging deep in this one. Like He needs to. Mm-hmm. He has no choice but to. And there's a level of kind of um, – there's a, there's a degree of – of prestige that comes with that. The fact that he treats it so seriously and like, you know, right. dudes on shooting well, even, can dismiss even, it. Even the stuff Brett's. like Brett's desperate when he's bleeding. Yeah. He does a dive and he's punching bulldog, but he's also mad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's a personal rivalry. It's a family rivalry, yeah. but he goes to the well too many times and something he's not good with, which is he tries to yeah. do another, he tries to do yes. another dive and he gets caught with the power slam on the floor. That was yes. Brett knew that. Like he just, of course you can tell. And like, um, Oh gosh, there, there's there's something else I thought about. I can't remember what it was, um, but it, 
anyways, it, it's just it's it's an excellent match. Um, yeah. I got favorite, up in it for sure. Is it your favorite bulldog match? Yeah, probably so. I will say, and I know that especially over time, it's become. I think we've all had moments where we've watched the Wembley match and kind of not hand waved, but I think there is some question as to how great it truly is. Mm-hmm. But that is definitely a spectacle, right? Like oh, there's something absolutely. to be said for both. So, mm-hmm. but I think this is the better match. Um, I think pretty clearly, actually. Bulldogs but, bump on that turnbuckle. Good lord. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. You mentioned it the other night. We were talking about it the other night, right? You yeah. mentioned it. Well, yeah, the thing cool. is, he he gets he his whole he lets go. He lets yes. his whole body go. So he does yeah, the flip, rules. but because of that, he doesn't use his hands. No, he so just he goes. Just, his body just ricochets off the turnbuckle, and then it just sort of bounces yeah. him off his head. It's, it's it shows you how much it meant to him, brother. I mean, that was, that was pretty right. impressive, especially from his part. Um, I feel where the shots to Diana throughout the match. They do a lot of those, right? Good yeah. lord, they do a lot of those. She's just I mean, making her, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have, after the 15th time, they probably could have waited for her to change her facial expression, but they didn't. Not, they said, no, not okay. bless Diana, but boy, that, that poor woman has no charisma whatsoever. No. No, <laughs> it is, you know. Now, you had here as, as best promo, Cornette, right? How much did he had add to this whole thing? Because as we said, I love the build to, to Wembley. I love that build, you know, and the way that the kind of riffs begin to appear. It's great. But this is a different dynamic, and you need a heel promo here. And, and Jim obviously fills that that void. Um, thoughts on his role in the program, and then specifically that particular promo. He, he doesn't seem all that involved on TV, but this promo he just sort of just runs down the Hart family and runs down Brett and how he treats his family. It's just it's Cornette at his best. You know, he just yeah. he's got run-on sentences. It's like, you know. You're wondering when this dude's got to stop to catch his breath, but he never does, and he just hits everything with such oomph and and mm-hmm. and you know, just incredible yeah. delivery. But this is as close as Bulldog got to like. If there was ever a top guy in him, having Cornet by his side was going to get him as mm-hmm. close as he could, right? And I think you know, this match is about the finale of that. You know, it's it's kind of. Uh, it's unfortunately a bit of an outlier when you need to compare it to the match with Diesel we just covered a month ago, right? Like, I don't we understand why it didn't stick or two months ago? We don't understand why it didn't stick, but this is about as close as he, as he ever got. Now, Brett, yeah. as the ace, first month here as champ, back as champ anyway. How, how are we how are we doing with, with the hitman in the center of this whole thing? Oh, he's great. He's great. He's just he's he's awesome. Are you would you say it's a case of unfortunately the rest of it isn't quite up to the you know, it can't it can't capitalize on that? Largely. Yeah. You know that was Brett for a lot of his run there. Um, he just he put it gave it his all, man. Brett, people people are so people are still too so harsh on him. God, people probably think I'm Canadian. Um, but <laughs> <clears throat> he just people are like, well, he was the best guy in WWF. Like that guy was fucking good, man. Yeah. Like not only was he the best guy, he was the best guy by about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <you know. laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do you think he's like he has to be one of the top all time wrestlers for like nerds like you and I, in terms of I would love to if I had a time machine, I would love to experiment with how Brett does elsewhere because I think you and I are pretty confident he would be fucking awesome. But mm-hmm. just as a fan, like, there's just some interesting, like, scenarios, right? Like, he's prime here. Right. 
You know, if you go from, what would you say his promise, 92 to 97? Yeah. Mm. It's like he's in this promotion that in so many ways. Maybe 91. 97, uh, there you he's go. Pretty good, ninety-one too. But, so uh, ninety-two, ninety-seven is probably more accurate, though. You know that that kind of range, yeah. right? Until ninety-seven, where it kind of changes, the product changes. Like for most of his run, he feels so stylistically at odds with everything else that's happening, which in some ways is awesome, but in other ways, it makes you just think, like, what would have happened if he was? You know, it's just interesting. He's right, this, was, he, he got close to, to going WWE yes. in 92, right? January 92, I believe, yeah. And that's like... Could you imagine? Well, if you look at him, he would have been in that that kind of all-star babyface lineup against the Alliance, right? It would have been, you know, yeah. he would have been alongside you know Sting. Would have he would have had some, like, cool, fun feud with Cactus Jack. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, and they yeah. would have had an awesome... They would well, have had big, awesome matches. The big one for me is... Is um because they were they were good friends and I don't think they ever worked singles matches was him and Rude and in '92 mm-hmm. Rude is like oh, yeah. they mm-hmm. would have probably had been a perfect match at that time because the way Rude was selling in that in that time and he kind of figured it out but his body yep. wasn't shot yet it would be in about a year <laughs> but yeah that's the one that always comes to mind for me but you could have got the Arn Anderson match in there you got the Bobby Eaton match oh don't don't do yeah, this no, let's, let's go back to '95 <laughs> anyway. Um, elsewhere on season's beatings, you know, your diesel, he, he worked on hot. Talk a little about his shades of gray. Obviously, he has just lost the belt and he is doing some of the like original shoot stuff here, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of yep. interesting. As um, Vince Vince said, if you want a glove, I'll definitely give you a fire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what do you think of this stuff? It's Nash doesn't have the best execution. I think you think his facial expressions are really good. Yeah. But like Nash is always better as like a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And he does have a little bit of that here. Yeah. But like I always think he's best as a promo when he's like a smart ass in, in, in NWO. He's also worse as a promo when he's a smart ass in NWO, mm-hmm. but he's also at his best at the same time. Um so it's it's kind of it's kind of cheesy in a way. But yeah. at the same time, it's like it's much better than what we had of <laughs> That was a pretty good go of it, man. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's a step in the right direction, but is this one of those deals where because it's kind of like weirdly uncharted territory, it feels like they don't know how to do it almost. They get better with it over time over the yeah. next few months, especially at the is I think it's the rumble where like he like flips off Taker and Brad or something. Right. <laughs> is is Nash overrated as a promo in history? Do people just so. assume? Mm. Yeah. I, I think so. He I think he, this is this is gonna surprise no one that watches my content, but you know, him and Sean feel like guys that everyone just kind of like just lists as great promo guys that I've kind of I think when Sean got older, I get it. But like, 90s Sean, 90s Nash, I'm good on their promo. I ain't, I ain't really rushing to see their guys' promos, you know? No. It's always interesting that stuff to me. Like, he's a guy you'll never see people take those shots at him because people just kind of go, well, he's a charismatic guy. He must be a good promo. Not necessarily. Um, now, Razor Ramon, we talked a lot about his, his deal with one, two, three kid. But the pay-per-view here, He's with Janetti right against Kid and, and Sid, which is a team we kind of alluded to. Last I talked a little about that team, and um, we'll get into what Ray's doing later. But 
start there with, with one, two, three, Sid, who obviously have Ted by their side and so on and so forth. Go ahead. It's a fun dynamic. Sid just like, we talked about this a little bit last week, but Sid's just like screaming in the mic and like, he did this, you know, funny promo for the, uh, for the pay-per-view. By the way, the Sid kid versus uh, Gennetti Razor Tech's good. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that that open season is beating, um, but Sid, they they do this promo where Sid's like, "I feel bad for Marty Janetti," you know, in his Arkansas accent, and he's, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to hurt Marty Janetti. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, and 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 uh, you know, Sid's taking too long to do it, you know, and like kids like Waltman's like, all right, you know, he's just trying to be like, are you, are, are you being serious right now? Are you being serious? Are you sure? Do you really feel bad? He's like, like they're like trying to like move yeah. it along here, you know, cause you know, they got time here, you know, it's only an hour program. <laughs> and Sid finally goes, I'm just kidding. And they don't, and he cackles and, you know, and it's all very funny and like million dollar corporation, new generation, cheesy esque, but it's rules at the same time. Um, Tremendous! Yeah, I love a, Sid. It's a it's it's a fun tag team. Sid rules, man. He had the <laughs> best. He has the best entrance. One of the great entrances of all time at Survivor Series '96. Yes, he does. That's that a scene. By the way, that's a that whole thing is a scene that needs to be that needs to be viewed. Right, it has to be. It's, it's a wild, wild spectacle, and it's a great example of. Again, that's not one they bring up too often in documentaries, is it? <laughs> the mm-hmm. night the garden just said, we're good on this HPK shit. Sid should kill him. <laughs> yep. That's where, of course, Bob loves this because when we were doing the uh, – we used to do a series. I'm actually going to bring it back here soon and, and we'll, you know, we'll, we have something else kind of the Oracle knows about, which we'll announce soon. But I did a series for Fightful on Twitch called My Match Monday and people would send their match and I would – you know, review it as best detail as I could. And Bob sent in that one, Survivor Series 96. And that is where JR says the line that Bob popped huge for when I had said it on the air, which is, you know, Sid has the nameplate deal. He has like the, the big name um, when he gets in the ring. And JR goes, SID, suddenly I'm dominant. And you know for a fact that when Jim put that in his notes, he was like, well, that fucking rules. <laughs> like you can imagine Jim pumping his fist. A tremendous deal. The atmosphere is electric. And that entrance, the energy of Sid in that entrance, the fucking pumping fists of people and shit. He's oh god, I know, and it's like, and, and you got like the famous fans like Vlad in the front yes. row, and like yes. that whole scene is just incredible. He like, listen, man. He he probably shouldn't be in a real Hall of Fame, but the Fed Hall of Fame with some of the guys in there put fucking Sid in there, man. I know, pop me huge. I, I just. I don't like when people like look. He was very flawed. Come out there and you know, you know, promote a softball. Yeah, you know. Oh, (laughs) it's just I get he had his faults and he wasn't a great worker, whatever that means. Dude was over wherever he went. He was a top guy for that little that period there, that like five year window. He was going to be a top guy wherever he went. Give dude his love. He also had the grossest injury I've ever seen, which is not really... Which is, you know, still, if it was important to mention, I agree. Still don't know Um, why. But you know what? It's so sad to do a top rope big boot at that age. Well, the story is that it was Johnny Ace, right? Have you heard this? What? The story? The story? (laughs) I wish Alex was here, contrarian Alex. But the story is that... I think I'm pretty sure the story is that Johnny Ace, who was the Finnish guy at that time in WCW and had taken a lot of power, 
he suggested that to spice up Sid's offense, he should do a bit like a big boot, a flying kick off the off the rope, top rope, middle rope, whatever he did. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That rules so Sid. much. Could you imagine Johnny Ace watching the money up? Sid just, you know, going, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. God bless him. He, now, look, in fairness, Sid also said that, you know, the famous line of, you know, I have half the brain that you do. Mm-hmm. He claims that was written, right? Sid says that was given to him and he just read it as as was written. So I don't know. I don't know who we should trust on these matters, unfortunately, as much as we just put the man over, you know, he's still a wrestler, right? Here's what he is. Said rules. Yeah, he's the man. Okay. Speaking of um, folks that DBS is involved with, we have a big angle on the pay-per-view, uh-huh. right? Mm. Um, a man we believe to be Santa Claus. Uh, Savio yeah. Vega is uh. out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> big swerve. Savio's out there. Of course, this is Balls Mahoney. This is a... I think I'm fair to say this is a mostly forgotten like thing, right? Surely. I thought this is a talk well, about this. Forget bit. about it. It's one of the all time dumb things I've ever done. I have to be honest though, the, the angle itself pops me. And I don't know if it's good, that's probably too far. But the X to me, this is like classic pro wrestling. Like oh, everyone yeah. knows there's some shit's gonna happen. And of course Savio doesn't because he's a baby face and it fucking rules. <laughs> anyway, explain and then, he, and, then he, and then he falls into a vat of liquid nitrogen and and that <laughs> <laughs> was, was a buff tweet today, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, here we go. We just got there. We just got Okay, yeah, Oracle. We're, we're talking about all balls here now. Yeah, go ahead, man. Explain this whole this whole masterpiece. So, Salvio comes out with Santa Claus before they knew it was Santa Claus. <laughs> Indeed. And, and uh, Tiviasi comes out and says, do you, "Do you believe the magic of Santa Claus?" And Savio's like, "I believe in the magic of Santa Claus." And Tiviasi's like, "Well, anybody can be bought." And, then the Santa attacks him with a sack of gifts, and it ends up being Santa Claus. They brought on the aisle, and it's Balls Mahoney, and Balls just looks like uh, basically Mick Foley with a shaved head at the time. So it's very yeah. funny. Um, and uh, he was uh, once Boo Radley or uh, Boo Radley, Boo Bradley. Mm-hmm. I think that was his gimmick in SMW. I believe so. Yeah. Was this was that how he was here? Was because Cornette was that because I know Cornette was like one of his big supporters, which is hilarious considering yeah. what he ended up doing and yeah. Jim's thoughts yeah. on all of that. But yeah. yeah, I think the last time Balls had any uh, relevance, he was the uh, he was the dealer at ECW Strip Poker in two thousand six. So well, there you go. I'm sure that's been seen many times on YouTube. So there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> poor Savio Vega. He's in an interesting spot here, isn't he? he Great just, worker. He put over Goldust in his debut, and he's here doing this. He's really good, man. He is good, man. He's he's a great baby face. He's over. He's I love him coming out when he slaps hands and like his. Do you know he like until recently has been doing matches for MLW? Really? See, there's stuff when That's MLW Savio or 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 is, or is TNT. It's Savio. Oh. He was like the Caribbean champion and shit. Oh. There was a moment the other day where Shoot was saying that his first step for wrestling promotion would be to have Kevin Von Eric do promos, and I explained to him that he does that on MLW like once every two weeks, and Shoot went, really? Oh, well. Just just moved on with his day. That's how it works over there in the major leagues, brother. Then again, though, Oracle, they are building around Davey Richards right now, so maybe especially don't watch that show. 
Oh, important note. Santa Claus is from the South Pole. That is important. I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> and, he, and, he also, yeah. and he also steals things. He steals gifts. God damn it. Listen, man. If you're going to look, I'm big on this. You know this. If you're going to do wacky, silly camp pro wrestling, just at least go for it. They go for yeah. it, right? God bless yeah. them. I mean, I tuned into Raw to see the stolen egg, and I was very disappointed. There was no silliness like that. Yeah. I was very sad. Speaking of bullshit, Brother Love is back. Um, are we, like, ain't you and I both pop for enjoying stuff that is mostly panned? But this is a step too far for even us, right? Fuck, Brother Love's brutal, man. It's not good, oh, right? It's rough. Yeah. He does the segment with Santa Claus, right? Isn't that isn't that what he does here? Well, he interviews DiBiase about Santa Claus, and then DiBiase okay. brings up, we're going to have a million-dollar champion, which is the tease for Austin. Yes. Okay, okay. So let's talk a little about that character as, as I, in general, but you can, and then his return here. Brother Love is just I, – I feel like it was a rib on Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Probably. Um The pitch at one point for Bruce was like, I think he said the pitch at one point was for him to be like Heenan's little brother, which that is incredible. Am I back? Am I back? Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're, you're like fast forwarding. Okay. Well, yeah. it's just incredible that a man can go from my gimmick could have been Bobby Heenan's little brother to instead I played brother love. <laughs> They feel very different to me, but anyway, yeah, it sucks, doesn't it? Unfortunately, it it's, sucks. It's just, it's unwatchable. It's like, yeah. it's just like, oh, the music, the the tone, everything is just like, mm. this is bad. Go, they always go so long, too, especially back. I know. What about the Mania segment he did with Piper? Was it WrestleMania? What's the one when Piper comes back? Piper and uh, Morton Downey Jr.? Yeah, it goes on for years, man. They do like improv comedy for 15 minutes in the middle of the ring. It's fucking brutal. It's terrible, yeah, it's terrible bad. stuff. It's bad. Um, okay. In in better news, the best angle of the month OBF is the is the one you mentioned there, the video about Sean's collapse and, and Vince is doing the the very serious narration mm -hmm. of said video. To us through this whole deal, we were very we praised it a lot, you know, last month. It was the, the best angle here, the, the video following up. So speak to Sean's uh famed concussion angle. They're doing all sorts of stuff. Like every week there's a segment. The first yeah. first week first segment of the week was like the doctor was talking about it and he was like, you know, Sean, he may never wrestle again. This is it was just it was hilarious. It was it just ruled because it was they they go they go all in for this. You mm -hmm. have to when you do this stuff. Yeah, and uh, the next week is Vince's video, and it's just like he gives this great narration. It's like really well. It's like it's like really poignant, and like <laughs> he's like the wrestlers and the risks that they take. Is this good or just? It's like it's it's almost like a um, it's almost like a sixty minute type yeah. <laughs> style, <laughs> but you know with like you know um, soap opera music and. Um, then like the 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 uh, then they also do a sit down interview with Todd Pettengill and Shawn Michaels. Shawn's like playing it off, Andrea off, everything. And Pettengill like, "Are you retiring?" And then like, there's this thing where Shawn this this one didn't hit as much because like Shawn was like, "Shawn's yeah. not great at this, this acting stuff." Mm -hmm. uh, he thought he was fucking fabulous at him, but yeah, he's not very good at it. Yeah, Carol. Yeah, and 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 um, he uh, 
he gets all mad and like ends the interview and like says oh, people just you know that's that's, that's all they want to know and you know it's like playing off that he's all upset because you know deep down Sean knows that he said that it might be a yeah they end the entire year because they you know they're they're, they're promoting Raw Bowl and Lawler keeps forgetting that Raw is in the next week so Vince gets mad Vince is like come on now Lawler you gotta remember Christmas there's no Raw on Christmas it's in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so that you know they're they're promoting the uh, infamous raw bowl and uh they end the show Vince, we got a sean michaels video for you here and they just sean video tell me a lie what a lie <laughs> <laughs> what a way to close out the year which is <laughs> Which has become, which has become a great wrestling meme over the last twenty five years. Um, people will like play it, you know, <laughs> as as a troll or a meme or whatever. One of the all time great like what the fuck videos ever. Yeah. Well, it was Christmas, man. You know. Yeah. Um, speaking of such, are you surprised they didn't tape something for Christmas? Do you think that was out of their bit. hands? I mean, Nitro did. Do you think that was like not their decision or something? It must. It could. I feel like Vince would have done something. It, it, it must. It must have been. It must have been the uh, the decision of the one USA Network at the time. Because you mentioned it a few weeks ago, but you know that there was a week of Raw, and I remember at the time when I not at the time when I watched it a few months back, where it starts like the big multi man, and then there's like just loads of video packages. That's like a twenty minute block. So they easily could have done an episode like that, even right, if they didn't have enough first runs. So sure, sure, just interesting because I, you know, Nitro. I mentioned it before Nitro runs Savage and Flair. Which, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, final one here for WBF. Uh, I mentioned Razor earlier. He's moving on to this program of Goldust that's been talked about a whole lot because of the 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 kind of dynamic of what Scott did and didn't want to do, right, and that whole thing. Um, Speak to it here. The, the early days of this of this program. Go ahead. Um, boy, let me tell you, some of those gold dust promos on Razor Ramon are, uh, I mean, about as blatantly sexually suggestive as you can get. Um, and uh, you can tell. I mean. It's such a risky thing to do. Even now, it'd be it'd be it'd, it'd be risky. Um, although I feel like it would be more be framed very differently. Now. Yes, it'd be Rightly framed. So. Right. It'd, be, it'd yeah. be framed, you know, rightfully so. You know, yeah. I, I think I think in a more positive light now. Yes. Um, but at, at the time, it was a very risky uh, mm. angle to run. Um. <laughs> and and you can tell you can tell Hall is like doesn't seem to be yeah too comfortable with it um but uh it's it's a, it's a fascinating angle to watch i don't even hate it honestly no no it's it's, it's just it's just fascinating to watch in fact i actually like the angle it's just you know when you're dealing it's, with when you when you're risking homophobia and stuff like that, you have yeah. to be, yeah, you know, it's, it's wrestling 
historically does not handle those. No, it does not. You know, and I think that's not. clear at this point, even right. It's, it does not handle things like that very well at all. So, yeah, since the Goldust character, and that that's a big part of his legacy, right? Is kind of mm-hmm. it was bold at the time, and I think it's you know it's worth remembering this product is. You know, when Nitro gets hot, Vince is the first one to kind of fly his flag and talk about how their show's family friendly and stuff. And like, he's pushing the envelope because he wants to shock you with this Goldust character, which is where, again, nowadays it will be framed rightly very differently. Um, right. Which has made it age in a very strange way, right? Where it's kind of like the way the baby faces sell is the is the part that's kind of jarring. It's just is is interesting. Like this is. This next like year and change is is the best of the Goldust character, right? Like when it gets mm-hmm. me when when Russo gets his hands on it, it becomes just like, you know, he does what he does with stuff. Dude, you're gonna roll your eyes. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Goldust rules. Okay, well, I I mean, we'll cross that bridge when we get to 2026. Okay, <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff is like completely absurd. Some of those Vader matches are actually pretty good. Too. Yes. Yeah, they have to match the Rumble, right? They have to match yeah. the Rumble. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll cover that in due course. See, that to me is just like that's where wrestling is the weirdest thing ever, right? Like they have like an opening match at the Rumble, and like it's fun, whatever. But it's impossible not to think of the match they have at that Clash of Champions in like what '93, Dustin mm. and Vader. Like how different that feels to where we end up, I and mean, that shit just happens sometimes. It's it's odd. Okay, so you mentioned last month that RBF was showing some signs of life. And obviously they did the move you wanted to make them to make. We all wanted them to make, both in retrospect and those that watched in real time. Brett is the champ. This is not the best follow-up. It feels like, you know, there's kind of a lack of interesting elements here in Derby beyond the centerpiece that you you know you're a fan of. What do you think? Yeah, there's there's not a lot of they had some they had they had a little steam going in for every series, and I think they kind of lost it. Partly is it's this, it's the holidays and WWF has like traditionally done that every year in the holidays, mm-hmm. um, but you know we're gonna get some big stuff. Rumbles coming up. Uh, the Diesel Taker storyline is yeah. starting to build up for that. They had a big confrontation at the end of In Your House because Taker's announced you know Taker's down the number one contender. Beat Mabel in the casket match, got his urn back, got his, you know, got his, you know, got the urn necklace back. He has, he's at full power now. No, 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 he's at full power. Has been yelled in the. Um. <laughs> okay, so not the, uh, not quite the follow up to November he was looking for, but with Brett and the 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 wheel, there's you know, there's there's some signs of you know that it can get better. All right, now. Those of you that watch the late night grin will know that many months ago, the great Oracle of Wrestling had an idea. And he said, What if we did like all, you know, all elite teams was I think the term we settled on, which they used on TV once, which was a pop. Um, you know, we would do, you know, first team, second team, third team in AEW, and we would talk it out. And, you know, we scheduled it. Right? We had this thing like penciling like two months in advance. And Oracle did not seem to realize that much like, you know, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas, he was walking into a trap, right? He thought he had this great idea, a great piece of content. Next thing he knew, the young bucks and Kenny Omega were on the first team and he That's was sweating bullets. bullets. He, was, he was sweating bullets. <laughs> so, yeah. 
I didn't think I didn't realize this was going to happen, but I'm very excited about it. This is the end of 1995 for the historical Oracle. Obviously, we've done four months, right? So Oracle was produced first, second, and third teams. Big free all pro teams, what we're calling them, right? So before I run down the third team, quickly explain kind of like your mind, you know, how you've you can't unless you want to do that after. It's up to you. What do you think? I, I, I'll go ahead and explain it. So there's okay. so there's seven seven spots for each team. Mm-hmm. Tag team, group, singles wrestlers. Um, the only rule is, is that there's seven spots for each because it's there's a lot of people at the time, three companies, and there's a lot of star power at the time. It's the hottest period mm-hmm. maybe ever. Yeah. Um, and the one rule I had is that I hope I was consistent with it. If not, oh well, fuck it. Um <laughs> At least one WWF, WCW, and ECW person has to be in each team. Okay. All right. Let's go. I'll read the whole team and then we can kind of go piece by piece. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. So let's start yep. with the third team, folks. Here it is the big three, all pro third team. We have the the 2021 tag team draft member, Mikey Whitbrick. We have Johnny B. Bad. We have the Eliminators. Two Cold Scorpio, the Dudleys, Diamond Dallas Page, and Marty Janetti. Okay, let's let's kind of let's kind of make our way through this. Would you say Whitbrick is the star of this of this team? He's probably the, um, the one that's closest to second team. Him or Two Cold? Would you say? Maybe Johnny be bad though. Talk. Mikey Whitbrick probably is the star of this team. Right. Um. And and mind you, my, my my thought process for these rankings is based on the to- the overall enjoyment of them. It's not just in ring; it's the overall mm-hmm. enjoyment of the character because I think it yes. matters when you're watching in this in this. In it's this TV format. product, man. It's TV mm-hmm. product, right? So Mikey, Mikey, I think is probably the highlight of this. He just had to, he's just a great underdog. Yeah, had, had several good matches. Um, just just a fun wrestler to watch. So fair to say, Johnny B. Bad and DDP. Their efforts together very much earned them their spot here, right? Correct. Um, yes. Spieler, we've been pretty consistent putting those guys over in their work together, but mm-hmm. just anything to add in terms of, of their placement here? Johnny Bad and DDP, who have been rivals um, for this whole process, basically. Bad's had some good, you know, he had a he had a good TV match with Eddie. He's had yeah, he had a great match with Pillman, remember at Fall Brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's just he's had a really solid year. I, I liked the Saito match at, at Starcade. It was fun. Right. Um, he's just he's just been consistent and solid great theme song um yeah. <laughs> you know it's just he's just he's fun man um mm-hmm. and uh ddp is really putting it together he's starting to figure out like the formula you know the ddp formula yeah of putting a match together which he's becomes brilliant at over time um absolutely so like yeah it's it's it was it was it was a good uh tail end of the year for these guys we have two teams the eliminators and the dudleys um, you know, talk us through. I know the Dudleys, the, the character side, Bob has been been, been rolling, yeah. right? So, yeah. so talk us through that, Michael. Yeah, the the, uh, the Dudleys is more of a character thing. You know, it's just like they're fun to watch. Bob is super over. The segment at the opening ceremonies of November to remember ruled, where uh, where Bubba did the uh, ring, you know, ring introductions. Mm-hmm. The Eliminators are just spot guys that come in and just do fucking crazy shit. And they rule, <laughs> and like, they literally have like these awesome matches with the pit bulls where they just hit like seventy five different spots, and it's like, 
and like Pitbull number one keeps no selling everything. It's hilarious. Um, and like, it's it's just it's fun, man. Like the Eliminators are awesome. They just they they hit like their offense is so good. Um, and and they I don't know. It's just they're a total blast to watch. Yeah, they're lunatics. Like they can do high flying stuff, grappling stuff, suplexes, hardcore spots. They're just they're extremely dynamic offensively. Um, like they're my time. They're my kind of team that does like that because they're just like come off very unprofessional and like kind of wild, right? Yeah, yeah. they're wild. Like, and it's like <laughs> their finisher total elimination, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like one of the most sketchy, dangerous moves you uh, could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always look good. No. <laughs> but you, a guy's being asked to stand there and just brace himself. Yeah, and Perry Trust Saturn the process. And John is two complete fucking <laughs> lunatics. <laughs> Sweep him under the leg and kick him in the face. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah, some teams did it more gracefully, but it definitely looks most incredible in this in this time, right? It looks hilarious. Right. It's, brace yourself is the key the key term. Um, too cold, mighty Genetti. You know the two singles us to to conclude here. Is it fair to say Marty was like was he the he's the last name listed? Is it fair to say he just snuck in there with he this kind of weird? In there as like it's a really good undercard yeah. baby face. It's a short run, but he does good stuff while he's there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, as for too cold, is it a case of uh, more his usage? I feel like you, you'd have probably liked to get him into those those higher teams. It just he wasn't you know the way he was right. used. This is about as high as he could go, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. He had, a, he had a good year. Just yeah. Compared, it's hard, right? Yeah. It happens. Okay, so that was the third team. I'll, I'll go back and read it one more time. Mikey Whitbrick, Johnny B. Bad, the Eliminators, Too Cold, Scorpio, the Dudleys, Diamond Dallas Page, and Mike Janetti. Okay, second team. Eddie Guerrero, the Sandman, Taz, One Two Free Kid, Psychosis, Randy Savage, and the tag team of Owen Hart and Yoko Zuna. Let's lead here with Savage, who obviously just dropped the world title at you know Starcade. He feels like a guy that I, I could imagine when you was doing this process, you you kind of considered him as a TV character, alone to be a little bit higher. Was the matches not snuff? Is that you think the the limitation here? He has some good matches, but he also feels. He almost feels left out from yeah. the Hogan situation, yeah. the Luger uh, Sting situation. You know, he he had a good December, but then you know, the, the Flair, the Horseman, Flair had such a good first two months, and then he kind of you know he vanished in November, but he had a good December. Hmm. Savage kind of just floated around everywhere and didn't really always fit into every yeah. little. You know, I mean, he 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 had a nice month in December, but it was always kind of a. He he didn't always fit in perfectly. I mean, like I mean, he's great. He was I think he was great as a TV character of all time. Yeah. Um, and he, and he did fit in on Nitro, but like in terms of like the storyline and like the focus, he was never really. Yeah. The focus, you know, and I strange, and that, right? That hurt him with his, with his <laughs> ranking, I think. Yeah, almost yeah. like it was done on purpose, Oracle. If you didn't know better, right? Almost mm, maybe. Um. <laughs> On the ECW front, we have Sandman, Taz, and, and Psychosis. Talk us through those a little bit. You've been big on praise for, for all three. Psychosis, is there, is there stuff beyond the famed uh, Ray 
trilogy as well? Or is it uh, there's a tag that? match with Psychosis and Laparka versus Conan and 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 Ray, where they just get okay. squashed by Conan and Ray, and it rules. And Psychosis bleeds in his mask, and then just take like, oh crazy bumps and like suicide dives, and it's it's literally amazing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was a great month for Psychosis. He's or or not month, but uh, a great four months. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah, he just he. He was just great in the ring. Big time for Taz, as you've explained in yeah. pretty good detail. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. a lock I, for I one of these teams, right? I mean, I, I think I think we should anticipate. Uh, uh, you know, don't don't be shocked to see uh, uh, first team 96, 97, yeah. 98, 99, Steve Austin <laughs> and Taz right next to him. They they <laughs> just shot the angle with Taz, right, where he just right. took a big shift, right. so. Right, Taz just rules, man. He just rules. Like, Sandman, good. No, 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 no. You're good. It's just he rules. Yeah, fair. Agreed. Um, Sandman, obviously, he closed out the year as ECW champ, right? Mm-hmm. You know, one of their top guys, and and you've been pretty pretty consistent on like this time, man. He's he's down. He's he's fun. He's good. So he belongs here, right? Oh yeah, he just he comes out. He has like a twenty minute entrance and stares into the TV. It's yeah. Way too long and annoying, hilarious at the same time. And then he like some matches he's like way too drunk to work and it, somehow he still rules and like somehow his opponents don't get hurt and like he like does like stupid shit that like rules because it's the Sandman like yeah at the at the at the, at the uh holiday hell show he like pulls the guardrail close to the ring and like goes to do a dive and instead he just leaps over the ropes and like Lands on his feet, then hits Raven with his cane. Like, what the hell is that? Everything's in character when you're the Sandman, right? Because right, what yeah. you said, like, he he's a dumb drunk at worst. What does it matter, right? It makes sense. So <laughs> he suplexes people with tables. Yeah, he suplexes tables onto people. That yeah. rules. Um, okay, this this go next. Let's go with Eddie Eddie Guerrero, who is like one of the first kind of. Um, Do you see that why I put in there? I put that Y on that name, brother. I didn't know. Did you see that? Yeah. Like like Eddie, E-D-D-Y, WCW oh, spell. I thought, meant, I thought you meant Y as in like why he was there. I was like, so right. yes, yes, of course, yeah. Um, so who, was it, who was it who tweeted that and people like quote tweet dunk? Like you misspelled his name. That was tough. I, I um, can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I know what you're talking about. Though. Yeah, Eddie is like, you know, everyone talks about the big kind of international stars that they signed, guys that had been had done Japan and Mexico. Eddie's like the guy who's Nitro, man. He's he's in the thick of things, and he's just fucking great, isn't he? One of the most versatile in ring. He's been great, great wrestler. Putting it out there, man, and he's yeah. just having a fun match every week he's on. Yeah. And he's on a lot. He's in, he's had several matches, tons. He's just consistent every time. Smooth, you know, just – has a good match with everybody, a variety of people. Flair, Benoit, Sergeant Craig, Pitbull, Pittman, Alex Wright, Malenko. Like, I mean, he's just having matches. Johnny B. Bad. I mean, he's having matches with everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's an archetype I really love. I think the rosters mm-hmm. are so big now, it's kind of lost of like the true good match guy in the middle of your card. You know, the guy that you say, we need a good 10 minutes. Eddie Guerrero as you go out this time. Now, obviously, he becomes much, much more than that. And as a character, I mean, he obviously explodes here in a few years. But at this time, he is just a great, great pro wrestler. Okay. 
Two of my favourite acts from this era of WWF made the cut. One, two, three, kid, and also the team of Owen and Yoko. Um, you know, Owen and, and Yoko are just good TV, man. And, that, and mm-hmm. we both we both pop for that smoking guns match. They do the night after the pay per view, right? And uh, yeah, speak to them a little bit as a team. It's a, it's a short run. It's a run that often makes me wish that Yoko was a couple years earlier because at this point he's struggling, right? It's a shame, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're still a really fun team, aren't they? Oh yeah, and it's Owen is just he's. I mean, like th- there's a consistency with Owen. Yeah, just, he comes in there and he just hits his stuff, and it just looks so good. And yeah, he's so confident in there, and like it was easy for him, right? Yeah, it's wild, yeah. yeah. And and Yoko's timing is still great, even with his mm-hmm. even with his issues. He's he's still got the timing yeah. down. Such a unique worker, Yoko. Like he's like yeah. He's he had that ability, and you know, this is what timing really covers it perfectly. But like the way he would like kind of snap into into motion out mm-hmm. of nowhere was really special for I me. Mean, he's a big guy, man. He was yeah. He was about unfortunately, you know, he was about as big as it got in, in pro wrestling in terms of in terms of, of size. So yeah, it's he's still got a lot to offer here. It's just a shame that it's you know this is near the end of his like run of relevance. Right, is the babyface turn coming up? So we'll we'll cover that stuff. One, two, three kid is just a huge asset to Raw at this time. Um, if it wasn't such a stacked era, I honestly think he was first team material with his work against Razor and alongside Razor. Mm-hmm. He does a hell of a job. Um, speak to a bit. This is a, a great time for kid, man. He's really is an important figure on Raw. Yeah, he's just he's killing it, man. He's a good heel. He's smarmy. He's a little, you know, he's he's a little douchebag punk. Like he's he's a great worker. I mean, yep. just, you know, he can work an opener. He can work a mid-card match. He can even dabble on the main event a little bit, too, mm-hmm. uh, like he's done somewhat in this period. Like, yep. he's just he's just a, he's a great – Waltman's a great worker, man. Like, he's he's really, he's really really good. Um, people forget he's, like, 22 here. How yeah. wild is that, you know? I know. Well, I think he might have been, like, 24, but still, I mean, it was he – was, he was young. It's just – it shows you how good he was that he was such a – feature on their TV at this time looking the way he did at that size, right? It's just... In fact, he actually might have been 22 because wasn't he like 17 for the Jerry Lynn matches? Yeah, he was super... Because he's... Yeah. When did he kind of um, like wind down as a full-time guy? Is oh, that... two? Right, because the, the talking point was that... And then he yeah. went to TNA and he was like... He was he was very open about it. He was like, oh, I was high on meth at the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he... The conversation was like very much the fact that at his age, he still had a lot of years left. It's just, you know, the way things worked out and, you know, shit got in the way and happens. But um, hell of a talent. This is a great, great time for him. Okay. It's time for the first team, brother. The first team, the big free all-pro first team for 1995. Here we go. We have Brett, the Hitman Hart. Big surprise there, right? Shocker. Cactus Jack, the Four Horsemen. Sting, Lex Luger, Steve Austin, Rey Mysterio Jr. I want to start with, well, Waltman's only 49, by the way. There you go, chat just Um I want to start with the guy that I was intrigued when you pitched this to me. The rest of these names fit. Luger was the one that I sense would be like on the bubble. Was this a was this a difficult decision for you, or is it more a case of that character work is too good to ignore? He's a damn good addition to WCW. He has to be in there. What do you think? It was a difficult decision. I bounced between him and and 
he, Sting, and Savage were kind of like, I was all kind of struggling, but I was like, that Sting Luger for you, that Sting yeah. Luger story that starts in October, mm-hmm. or early November, is so is so critical and so yeah. compelling, or you know, um, that I that I had to include it, um, you know, and, and and include both guys there, yeah. um, you know, and there and 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 there are some fun matches, but it's just it's more about just like that jump works so well for Luger. And he he immediately fits in, and it's like, it's good stuff, man. It's good mm-hmm. stuff, and, and and the Sting dynamic is great, and Sting's promos at this time I love. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Sting's. This feels like a forgotten time for Sting, and as someone that loves it, and I, you know, you're, you're saying the same. Like, I kind of it bums me out, man. Like people's Sting timeline jumps from like '93 all the way up to when he's the crow. And it's like, I love this stuff in the middle. Like he's great here with the promos. He's almost more of a top guy than ever. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's, you know, other guys in the spot he should be in, but right. <clears throat> it's another, another conversation for another day that we will eventually meet. I'm sure. So sting and Luger very much belong. Um, let's jump to this, this do the, uh, the other WCW guy here or guys here with the four horsemen. Um, We've talked a lot about kind of, you know, what they could have done maybe and what they should have done. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to it, when the bell rings and they have a microphone in their hands, like they can only yep. fall so far, can't they? Yep. I mean, you know, it's got, you know, you've got Flair and the Flair and Arn feud, um, Pillman, the loose cannon stuff. Ben Wallace had good matches. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the the you know with everybody's work all together i think it's 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 fair to put that whole group on there um over the yeah. course of the four months um absolutely yeah and the, the, the you know arn's still cutting the promos flair's still cutting the promos flair had a great december great matches yeah. um great performance at starcade pillman's still- loose and stuff starting to kick in no one knows Benoit's a horseman because they refuse to say so on TV for some reason. <laughs> um, they just mentioned that in passing too. Um, yeah, whatever. That's, which is Arn's incredible. Arn, really, Arn's Arn. You know. Yeah, he's the same. He's the same. What would you say is Arn's best year? I'm re- I'm intrigued by this because he's like his skill set. See, I would say the reason for that is because he's physically in a better spot than he would be by this time. But he has that kind of, that polish. Because uh-huh. people, people don't realise because of what he looked like, but he's fucking young when he first gets in the halls from man. Like, people think of him and Tully as like, you know, brothers and arms. Like, well, Tully here, was his late, senior. Late 95, Arn's like 36. Right, so if you go back a decade, <laughs> you know, dudes, and, he's, and like people don't realise because of, in history, and this is wrong because Tully was so great. But in history, they're the brainbusters to most people, right? Mm-hmm. But they weren't like Tully was very much his senior man. Tully had done some big time stuff before Arnold even broke in. So it's just, right. you know, it's interesting. I, I would, yeah, ninety two is a, a good call. I would say. And you get, you know, you got the he has two tag runs there, right? He has the Eaton team, he has the Larry team. So anyway, that'll be another series one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, those those Alan Fryer days, brother, good glory days, man. People don't know. Anyway. Um, let's jump to to ECW, right? We got we got Cactus, we got Steve Austin, we got Ray. Let's start with Cactus. He felt like a lock. Oh, it's, he's just, 
his promos were just he was promo of the year. There's no you know, he's just yeah. he's the thing with Mick, man, is he's just the way he was able to play off everybody like we mentioned, maybe the best mm-hmm. ever at it, and just he felt like he felt like a he felt like a, he felt like a, you know you or me, yeah, you know, just a regular yeah. old guy, you know. Right, and what I mean, makes he that so clearly isn't a regular old guy, but the right. personality is. But that's what makes what makes it so right. special is you often use that for description for guys that act like you know the normal guy, but like Mick is often doing insane, ridiculous, crazy things, and he still feels like a normal person. It's, yeah. He's singular in that sense, almost, right? He's a, he's a one-off. Um, okay, elsewhere in, in, in ECW, you know, I mentioned these guys kind of together earlier. Obviously different, as you said, but Austin, and as you, you know, he's going to be appearing on a few of these teams in the coming years. But, man, this is a huge year for him in terms of changing directions and setting himself up for what's about to be a life-changing, industry-altering run. Uh, speak to his, uh, his 95 a little bit, Steve Austin. Oh, it's just great. You know, I spoke about it before, but he yeah. just he motivated is the word I would use the most. You know, he was he was finally motivated again and it just he knew he needed to change him change his tweak himself a little bit and he did and delivered in spades. Mm-hmm. Ray Mysterio Jr., who if he had the opportunity he could still be on our first team today. <laughs> he may be, I don't watch enough to know. Um one of the greatest wrestlers ever, that dude, right? It's what is Ray. that to say about Ray, I'm, man? I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Yeah, dude's magic, yeah. absolute magic. Okay, the only WWF guy, first name listed, and, you know, I think we all expect him here. And I'll Bret go ahead Hart. and say... Yeah, go Jeff ahead. Right, my wrestler of the year. Bret Hart, who... That is not surprising, but if you haven't watched every episode, guys, please do, because you'll realize Brett's matchmaking could have very much prevented him from doing it, but he refused, brother. He said, I'm going to have the best match I can with Isaac Yankum, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's Brett, right? Yeah. Well, same deal. What's the left to say about Brett Hart, man? It's fun. Dude's it's just all-timer. He's he's a master. It's like that hockey coach that said that that that, that contrarian Alex quote tweeted when he said Brett Hart was the best of all time. It's like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't necessarily think Brett's the best ever, but he's one right. of the best ever. And yeah, and it's a respectable pick, right? It's a respectable yeah, he, pick. He, 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 he rolls, man. Awesome. Okay. Let's close out with, with the match of the year here in the, the Oracle standings. It's intriguing. Mm. Brett Diesel. That's I, I wasn't sure you were going to go that way, but now you say it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a match that has the kind of substance that sticks all these years later. I think there's ideas in that match that we'll always remember. Right. The story beats that may even be, you know, tributed on TV every once in a while on, on TBS, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. A great call with all love to Kevin Nash. It says, explains why Brett was the rest of the year that he had the match of the year here <laughs> because I'm not saying he was the shits or anything, but like, you know, that's a Brett. That's a that's a Brett deal. So there you go, folks. Brett Hart rest of the year. Brett and Diesel match of the year. If you want to see how to talk more in depth about that whole build and stuff, go to the, the last episode we talk about Survivor Series ninety five. Okay. That was nineteen ninety five. Oracle, any any final thoughts? ECW promotion of the year. Oh, there you go. Yes. Do you have a is there a show you'd like you you'd pick out of interest? A single show? November to remember ninety five. Okay, so 
there's some, if you guys haven't watched any of this and have seen watching along, we appreciate it. But there's some kind of, um, like a little bit of a guide there, so to speak. Now, my God, wonderful donation here from, from Leland, who says, evening and all how. Sorry to, to arrive late, but I had to support the lads. Going to, review, going to rewind. This period is why the horsemen are the best stable of all time, in my opinion. Storytelling excellence. Well, you'll enjoy it, pal. We definitely talk some horsemen and um, have you get any argument from us on the faction front either, right? <laughs> it's the horsemen, it's fair. Uh, we appreciate it. Great. Thank you very much, man. It was a great donation. Okay, now, 1995. An, an incredibly important year. And obviously, I think it can be argued that what's about six months away, I mean, 90 changes, like it reshapes everything. This is our first hurdle. Mm-hmm. 95 is our first hurdle. Our next hurdle is January through May of 96. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the two hours. <laughs> it helps at WCW rules for about a year yeah. and a half. Absolutely. Um, and then things will become much, much, much more difficult. Uh, but we'll see. You know, we will. And the Peyton, it's important to know. Bless Oracle. He watched this. This was a quick turnaround. Week to week, we did this right. The pace of this series may fluctuate. Right, it's a long term mm-hmm. thing. So, like, we've we, got you some know, projects on the horizon. Exactly, and there's different stuff mm-hmm. that's going to come up. And like, we a big thing for me is I want the historical Oracle to be something that's separate from just this, right? We want it to be something where we do deep dives all over the place and we have different people. It can be, you know, a lot of things. This is the focus right now. And there will, as you said, there'll be hurdles, right? When those two hours and maybe even three hours arrive, that's something. But um, it's been one hell of a start. Congrats to Brett the Hitman Hart. I'm sure he's very proud right now to win this prestigious award, right? He's not won many wrestling awards. This is a big, this is a big one, right? Um, the all teams thing popped me tremendously. Folks, if you watch along, feel free to like leave those in the comments or, or whatever it is um, we do here on the YouTube. Do the thumbs up stuff. Oracle, before we, we bid farewell, any any final thoughts, my friend? Uh, two weeks from now, we'll be returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nitro on January 1st in the Omni. Raw Bowl. I believe the billionaire Ted skits begin in January. Oh, I'm terribly sorry on your behalf there, brother. That's, that's a shame. Vader. Steve Austin. Debut in World Wrestling Federation. Wow. Um, Shane Douglas will return to ECW in 1996. Lucky him. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Um, Woman will debut in WCW. Um, Savage and Flair will pay Hot Potato with the belt in January. Yeah. There's a Clash. Um, Clash 33, I believe. 30, 32. Class 32. What's the main Class event 30. of that Clash? Hmm? What's the main event of that Clash? Oh, gosh. Hogan and Savage or Hogan and Sting versus... Giant and Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Those um, clashes, they're very Battle of the Belts, those clashes. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, of course, the Rumble. Um, ECW House Party, final show for Public Enemy and Woman in ECW. Um, that's a, that's a huge show. First show, 96 in ECW. Huge, huge show. So big, big, big month that we're going to be covering here in two weeks. 
on the uh, historical oracle. An even bigger year, right? Some yeah. huge uh, stuff ahead. And those of you that listen to The Grim will know there's some of that stuff that you and I get pretty fired up talking about just out of context. Yeah, the exactly, so exactly. It's going to be very um, fun. Jay Shell and I are, are, are uh, in the works on our, on our Divas Deep Dive project. Tremendous. We've moved it forward to 2010 since we realized that the titles are actually unified in 2010 to the only the Divas title. So my whole spiel about Hooters has been dropped <laughs> in the pan. And, uh, well, that rules. And, uh, you know, watching watching wrestling shows there. Uh, my my uh, sadness for Great American Bass 2008 has been has been eliminated and will instead be beginning at Night of Champions 2010. We still mm. haven't figured out every little uh, nook and cranny of the show, but we will we will sort that out. So things right. think works, folks. Yeah, we I and mean, the other thing too is we have we have a bigger project that's going to be like a monthly thing that I mentioned to Oracle, which we'll we'll roll out here shortly. But I do want to say. If you folks watching along have ideas, send them to us, right? Like it might not happen immediately because we have a whole lot of shit to schedule in that. But like, I think both of us are pretty open to, to playing around with this stuff. And there's definitely individual episodes of the Historical Oracle we can do along the way, right, for certain things. Um, you know, there's there's been times in the Grim where you and I have veered off in very different directions and I think that could happen here. So if you have certain ideas, messages either on Patreon or on, uh, I don't know if you can do it on YouTube, but like you can Twitter DM me or whatever. And um, yeah, man, lots to look forward to. This has been a big month for us. I guess this is, I guess this is our, uh, well, this is kind of our last free show of the month. Aside from the 12 hour stream that I have inexplicably penciled in for the 28th of February. Yeah, yeah, for the 28th. Um, <laughs> before that, tomorrow night, Late Night Grin, the, the flagship program, latenightgrin.com, you sign up for a dollar. And that gets you in there after Rampage for four hours of just bullshit and a real roller coaster that show, isn't it? It's really there's a, it's an experience to go through live. I feel. Um, Will you be eating during this twelve-hour stream? My intention is to like hopefully when other people are here, like shoot's gonna pop in and out. That's when I might just bounce, get some food, you know, do like. Yeah, you I mean, I'm gonna need to like step away every once, but I do intend to be there for like. 99 yeah you know, it's not necessary to wear a diaper or anything like that no, yeah no. it feels like excessive right um i'm gonna tomorrow i'm gonna announce like details and, and charity and a whole lot of stuff so there is no plan i want to be very clear about this now there's no plan for all-star guests i know it'd be an actively a bad idea based on the fact that um i'm doing a 12-hour stream and i don't want to be meeting people 10 hours into this stream that <laughs> feels like a bad idea i think some grinners are going to rotate out every once in a while but mostly it's just going to be you know it's going to be a challenge but we'll, we'll do it anyway that's that's monday so lots coming up folks as oracle said the historical oracle probably been two weeks we appreciate the support we appreciate the love it's time oracle for the outro the new uh, stunning outro so with that you can follow me, you see her there, at Joe Holbert, at King Rover H for, for Oracle. Follow us there for updates. And with a wave, we say, enjoy the illustrious late-night green outro. Goodbye.